When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, welcome to Was Jesus a Muslim? We're going to get started right away with Kenny Bomer's opening statement. Thanks so much, Kenny, for being with us. The floor is all yours. Thank you, thank you. So before I get started, I'd like to say, uh, As-salamu alaykum, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I do bear witness there's no God other than Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad, peace be, peace be upon him, is the final servant and the seal of all prophets. I'd like to thank James and everyone with Modern Day Debate for organizing this debate. Once again, they put a lot of work in, so I certainly appreciate that. And as a gift uh, for the debate, I have a, a beautiful painting of Jesus, peace be upon him, for David Wood. Jesus is right here in submission to prayer, in prayer to our Creator. And so I figured I would give this as a gift to David because I come across it online. I thought it was quite lovely. Of course, I don't believe that's really Jesus, but um, nevertheless, that's um, a gift for David for the debate. So with that being said, James, if you're ready, I'll start my opening statement. Great. Okay. So was Jesus a Muslim? Um, such a question and proclamation might shock and even anger some people, but I open by saying what people don't understand, don't understand, they fear, and what they fear, they seek to destroy. However, the truth can't be destroyed. Truth is the truth even if no one believes it, and a lie is a lie even if everyone believes it. And so, unfortunately, the lies attributed to Jesus, peace be upon him, are some of the most widespread and most consistent lies ever told. However, the consistency of a man defines who he is, and Jesus, peace be upon him, consistently lived his life in submission to the will of our Creator, and that makes him a Muslim by the literal definition of the word, the literal definition. So what's interesting is that Christians don't seem to have a problem with Jewish people who, you know, uh, they don't give them a hard time because they reject Jesus, but anytime Muslims uh, make any claim to Jesus whatsoever, peace be upon him, uh, we say Jesus is a Muslim, or uh, I love Jesus because I'm a Muslim. Those same Christians become very irate and, and angry, and, and because in their minds, everything Islam is anything Islam rather is everything evil. And so during this debate, what we're going to see is David Wood's going to accuse Muslims, just as he did in a recent video on this very topic, published in May 2023 this year. He's going to accuse Muslims of deception and accuse Muslims of committing the fallacy of equivocation when we say that Jesus is a Muslim, or was a Muslim. So he'll do so by attempting to limit the definition of the word Muslim to the modern definition or interpretation that says that a Muslim is an adherent to the religion of Islam. So of course that's part of the definition. Uh, we, we don't deny that, meaning that one who, who follows Muhammad, peace be upon him, in the Quran. However, Muslims do not say that Jesus was a follower of Muhammad, peace be upon both prophets, and we don't say he followed the Quran. Uh, obviously, these things came after Jesus, peace be upon him. The, the Prophet Muhammad came after 
Jesus, peace be upon him, and so did the Quran. And so that definitely won't be the argument that I'm making here today. And I challenge David Wood during the course of this debate to produce the name of just one Muslim who's, who's used the word Muslim in the limited way that he says that we do when we say that Jesus was a Muslim. And I assure you, he will not be able to produce such a name because it doesn't happen. So in that recent video published in May 2023, uh, David Wood says the following, and I quote, he says, when Muslims say Jesus is a Muslim, it will be understood by listeners in a certain way. They will think that you're saying that Jesus is an adherent of the religion of Islam, and not that you're just making some point about the technical, technical meaning of a word. He says, the Muslim understands how people will understand what he's saying and does it anyway, knowing that when people hear Jesus is a Muslim, they think that Jesus is an adherent of the religion of Islam. And so he says, that's the ongoing problem, the problem of equivocation. He says, you're using a word in an ambiguous manner. You know the word can be used in multiple ways, and if you're taking advantage of that fact, you're taking advantage of the fact that the word can mean multiple things. Well, of course words can mean multiple things and have multiple meanings, and what's the problem with that? Aren't we supposed to use words and consider the full definitions of words when we use them? Of course we are. And apparently David Wood thinks he understands and, and can tell what everyone else is thinking when, it, when they hear something, but, which is utterly amazing to say the least, but yes, again, words can mean multiple things. So consider the word Muslim in the context of what Shakespeare said in the play Romeo and Juliet. When Romeo asked the question, what is in a name? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So even David Wood and Christians are going to have to admit, they do admit, they readily admit that Jesus admitted to living in submission to our creator, and they do so using English phrases. They have to because it's very obvious in the books of the Bible. Well, it just so happens in the Arabic language uh, there's a name for such people who submit to the will of our Creator, the word Muslim. And However, the English language doesn't have a single solitary word to, to define such people. So I'm wondering what David Wood's going to tell the world today. Is He's going to tell the world that it's okay for Christians to readily admit that Jesus, whom they worship as God, lived in submission to the one that he called his own God, our Lord and his Lord, our God and his God. They admit that using English terminology. But it's somehow wrong for Muslims to say the exact same thing with a single solitary word, the Arabic word, Muslim. So, of course, again, words mean multiple things. And when Muslims say Jesus was a Muslim, we mean it in the literal etymological sense of the word. We say Jesus was a Muslim based on the consistency of his actions, meaning his willing submission to our Creator. And surely, the consistency of a man defines who he is. So note what the following Christians say. Uh, when they admit that Jesus, peace be upon him, submitted his will to our creator. Uh, an article on soulshepherding.com, the Christian author and psychologist Bill Gautier, he says the following, and I quote, Perhaps the most astonishing aspect of Jesus' life on earth is that he lived on earth uh, by the discipline of submission to God. He said it's the way he lived every day of his life. And again, the consistency of a man defines who he is. Now, you would think that the most astonishing aspect of Jesus' life would be that he proclaimed to be God, but he, he doesn't actually do that in the Bible, certainly not unambiguously. So Bill Gautier admits that the most astonishing aspect of the life of Jesus, peace be upon him, is that he lived in submission to his creator. Meanwhile, David Wood accuses Muslims of cherry-picking the numerous, very, you know, very clear, unambiguous verses of the Bible that speak of Jesus submitting to and praying to and giving all glory to our creator, and he says we focus on those, and it would be argued that Muslims ignore other ambiguous verses that are supposed to imply that Jesus is God. But consider, if, if in those verses, Jesus, peace be upon him, is submitting to the one he worships as God, 
uh, while at the same time he's claiming to be God, aren't the contradictions there quite shocking? Doesn't the Bible say God's not the author of confusion? Of course he's not. But unfortunately, the human authors of the Bible certainly were. So does it really make sense that to think that a human being who is living in submission to God is the very God that he's submitting to? That's like saying God turned himself into his own son and then prayed and submitted himself to himself as his own God that was himself. It makes no sense. Furthermore, again, there's not a single unambiguous verse of the Bible that says that Jesus is God. But there are literally dozens of very clear verses of the Bible that describe Jesus living in submission to our Creator. And again, the consistency of a man defines who he is. Now, note again what the following Christians say about Jesus submitting, peace be upon him. Christian missionary Frank Lobach, he says in his writings, he, he noted that the Apostle John indicates in his gospel that Jesus was acting under God's orders 47 times in the book of John. He says, John records Jesus saying things like, I've come not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. And whatever I say is just because it's what the Father told me to say. Now, it's a bit odd that Frank Lobach would refer to the anonymous authors of the book of John. Uh, scholars believe it's more than one author. That he would, he would refer to this, the, these writers as the apostle, John. Uh, but what's, what's even more odd is that, and what's more striking is that Jesus, peace be upon him, whom Christians consider to be God, submits himself to God 47 times, and he does so in the very book of John that Christians often, most often turn to in their attempt to prove that Jesus is God. So let's put that on the scales of logic and reason and common sense. We have 47 times in the book of John that Jesus, peace be upon him, is submitting his will to our creator with zero verses with Jesus claiming that he's God. So according to the renowned Christian theologian John Gill, he says Jesus is referred to as a servant of God in the Bible in Philippians 2.7, and it's mentioned that Jesus took upon himself uh, the form of a servant. He was uh, chosen by God to be his servant, and it's called the servant elect in Isaiah 42. And also the Christian Willie Jordan of Fred Jordan Mission says that in her writings, hundreds, hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, the prophets wrote that the Messiah would be a servant says, Isaiah wrote God that God says, see my servant, my chosen one, in whom I delight, also in Isaiah 42. Now I ask you, does it make sense to think that our Creator made himself to be his own servant? Or does it make more sense to, to believe that Jesus, peace be upon him, was simply a human being, one of the best examples of human being, matter of fact, but that he lived in submission to our Creator? You judge for yourself. Willie Jordan says also that, he goes on to say that Jesus Christ described himself as a servant when he said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And again, the consistency of a man defines who he is. Jesus also says in the Bible uh, that the Father is greater than I. And in John 10, 29, same book of John that was re referenced earlier, Jesus, peace be upon him, says the Father is greater than all. And that's like what we say as Muslims in the Arabic language, Allahu Akbar. And we know that Jesus, peace be upon him, uh, spoke Aramaic. The scholars admit this, which is a sister language to uh, Arabic. Uh, so, and we know that he said, Ila, Ila, Lama Sabachthani in the book of Matthew 27 46. So he certainly would have been using this type of terminology. I'm not saying that's, that's the bulk of it, but he certainly he's declaring the main thing is he's declaring that God is the greatest. And we as Muslims say, Allah, God is the greatest. So in the previously mentioned, previously mentioned video, 
uh, David Wood and his guest, Mike Jones, known as Inspiring Philosophy on Modern Day Debate. They accuse Muslims of committing the fallacy of equivocation, lying, and deception, and of cherry-picking verses of the Bible about Jesus submitting to our Creator, while ignoring again the other, and or refusing to read further for more clarification about Jesus being God in other verses. But again, not a single verse of the Bible that says says Jesus is God. They also said that they in, during that video that they couldn't find a single definition in any dictionary in the world. For the word Muslim that doesn't say that the, the definition is an adherent of the religion of Islam. Well, of course it says that. It's part of the definition. But it's not limited to just that. So if David Wood and his guest would have taken their own advice about cherry-picking verses, and if they would have read further in those dictionaries, they would, they would have found the portion of the literal definition, the etymological definition that Muslims are referring to when we say Jesus was a Muslim. So I have six sources for this evidence that they said they couldn't find. So let's start with first defining the word Islam, which means peace through submission. Uh, the first source, um, Princeton.edu, they say that the word Islam is often literally translated as submission, but upon further linguistic analysis, we see a much deeper meaning emerge. Uh, the, it says the Arabic root of Islam, Islam meaning peace, therefore the meaning of submission in Islam is not a forceful submission, they say. Rather, it's a peaceful, willing submission where the individual realizes a higher power and submits fully to God's teachings and preferences or will over their own ego and vices. And I ask you, did Jesus not do that himself? And surely the consistency of a man defines who he is. They go on to say the vision of Islam is that this coming into harmony with divine will creates an internal and an external peace for the soul and for society at large. So ask yourselves, would a person nicknamed the Prince of Peace agree with and put into practice that very definition? Of course Jesus would, peace be upon him, and the consistency of a man defines who he is. Christian professor of philosophy, Dallas Willard, he's quoted as saying, Submission is abandoning outcomes to God. Well, isn't that what Jesus, peace be upon him, does in the book of Matthew 26, 39, and also a few verses later in 42, where he says, Father, if not my will, let your will be done. Of course he does. So source number two, Etymology Online, one of the sources they claim that they used in that video. Um, if you look at the definition of the word Muslim, or Islam rather, on this, uh, the word Islam, it says religious system revealed by Muhammad. Oh, yes, we know that from the 1610s, early 17th century. Uh, but it goes on to say, it doesn't stop there. It says, from the Arabic word Islam, literally submission to the will of God. From the root Aslama, he resigned, he surrendered, he submitted. So a Muslim, in summary, is a, is a person who takes on the role of servitude and who believes along with Jewish people, by example, in the absolute oneness of our creator. By example, Jews recite the Shema and as Muslims re recite the Shahada, which is testimonies of faith, and both declare the absolute oneness of our Creator. We know that Moses, peace be upon him, and Jesus both, peace be upon him, did this in the Old Testament. Moses did in the Old Testament, and Jesus repeated the words of Moses in the New Testament when they said, Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God is one Lord. They didn't say three. They didn't say Trinity. They didn't say Father and Son. And as Muslims, we say, Ku Allahu Ahad, Allahu Asamad, Lam Yilid, Walam Yulad. Which is what Allah tells us to say in the Quran. Our Creator tells us to give the answer to people who ask who He is. We're to say, He is Allah. He's God, the Creator, the one and only God. He is the eternal, the absolute. He begets not, nor is He begotten. And there's nothing and no one that compares to Him. So, uh, 
which is again so this describes our creator as being absolutely one uh unique with, with no partner and no equal and it's our belief as muslims that our creator is not like any of creation we use the word he when referring to allah as a figure of speech we don't believe our creator is neither male nor female so now let's define the word Muslim. And I would like everyone, if you could, you don't have to necessarily do it right this moment, but at some point, take some time, and everyone, please Google the following question. What is the literal meaning of the word Muslim according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary? Please Google that question, and the first thing that you're going to see pop up on your phone, the first thing you'll see says, from the Arabic word Muslim, literally one who submits to God. It doesn't say Allah, just by just mentioning that, but obviously Allah, we believe, is our creator. Uh, so it says, literally, one who submits to God. Merriam-Webster, that's under the etymology. Now, if you click on the link after that, the first thing that you'll see is an adherent of, of Islam. Well, that's part of the definition that was cherry-picked by David Wood and Mike Jones in their video, because they didn't take time to scroll down further for, for the etymology of the word, uh, and probably didn't care to, for that matter. And, and, so. Mentioning etymology, the, source, the fourth source, etymology online, another source they claim to have used for the word Muslim, it says one who professes Islam, which is submission to our creator, and also again from the Arabic word Muslim, who submits to the will of God, right? And so uh, from the root word Aslamah, he resigned, he surrendered, he submitted, just like Jesus did, peace be upon him, and surely the consistency of a man defines who he is. The fifth source, um, Abram Publications, uh, Muslim, according to Biblical Hebrew, states that it's the meaning is unifier, peacemaker. And again, don't Christians again call Jesus, peace be upon him, the Prince of Peace. Uh, but if you go down to etymology of the word, they say from the Hebrew word shalom, to be or make whole or complete, the name Muslim literally means one, um, means a, a peacemaker, a unifier, and probably started out as a regular word, precisely meaning just that. Here at Abram Publications, we think that the, the, the name Nazarene, and again, Jesus was from Nazareth, reflects a similar thought, namely a motivation to unify all of God's revelations into a singular harmonized body of knowledge, which is the message of monotheism, the worship of our, our creator alone. They say the first person on record as being a Nazarene is, of course, Jesus the, uh, of Nazareth. And comparing the word Nazarene and Muslim, they state that the proper name Muslim expresses a sentiment that was very much alive in biblical times, as is demonstrated by the degree of popularity of the highly similar name Mushalim, which allowing for some variations, they say, represents a colossal array of biblical characters. And they end by saying the word Muslim is probably the best known Semitic word in the world. And the sixth source, the Ali Anal translation of the Quran, says if you go to the linguistic definition, a Muslim is one who believes and lives in submission to God. That's what it says in the Ali Anal translation. The official law definition um, says one who professes faith and joins a Muslim congregation in prayer and so so forth. We're not claiming that Jesus does that. We've, no one, no Muslim claims that. So I'll close with the definition of, of um, is, what a Muslim is based on my book. Consider Islam, uh, chapter two of that book, uh, uh, chapter titled Just the Basics, just a summary of what I say there. I say Islam is not just a religion, it's a natural way of life. Muslims believe every human being since the prophet Adam and his wife Eve were Muslims from birth, peace be upon them both, meaning we're all born in the state of Islam, submission to the will of our creator. We don't choose our gender, our race, our nationality, what we'll look like or who our parents will be. Those decisions are made by our creator alone. Therefore, we're all born in, in submission to God's will, therefore are born 
as Muslims in a state of Islam. Well, um, so what we what, what we become from there is based on acquired knowledge that we obtain through the course of our lives, uh, through people who educate and influence throughout the course of our lives. But based on that, most people become products of their environment and wind up accepting a religion or lack thereof of their parents, uh, grandparents, etc., thereby altering the natural disposition that we're born with. That's why Muslims who were born, uh, who weren't born into a Muslim family, are called reverts because we revert back to the natural God-given way of life, and we do so by recognizing our Creator and choosing, like Jesus did, to willingly live in submission to our Creator's will and worshiping our Creator alone. We believe every human is born in the state of Islam, and that will die in the state of Islam, meaning that when it comes time for us to die, nothing's going to stop it. Our Creator decides that, and we have no choice in the matter. And that doesn't mean that we're all going to die as Muslims. The life is a test and this the purpose of this life is to test every soul uh to see if we're going to freely choose to live in submission to our creator's will all the days between the day that we're born and the day that we die those who choose to do so are muslims and um of course jesus chose to live in submission to the will of his creator all the days of his life and so we believe jesus is one of the best examples of of those who submit to our creator along with the prophet Noah, Moses, Abraham, the final prophet Muhammad, peace be upon them all. And so I'll end with what Jesus says in Matthew 18, 3. He said, truly I say to you, unless you convert and become humble like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And in Mark 9, 3, 7, he says, whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And again, humility is synonymous with submissiveness. And Jesus, peace be upon him, was a humble man who lived his life in submission to the will of our Creator. And again, the consistency of a man defines who he is. Jesus was indeed a Muslim by the literal etymological definition of the word. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kenny, for that opening statement. We'll kick it over to David for his opening statement as well. Thanks, David. The floor is all yours. Thank you, James, for setting up this debate and a lot of other debates. I think James might be uh, approaching some all-time record for the most debates ever set up by a single individual. Uh, I don't know what the record is, but it wouldn't surprise me to see you in the, the Guinness Book at some point, James. Um, James is also a PhD student in psychology, so there's a part of me that always wonders if this is some sort of experiment here. Like he's experimenting on a Christian, Jews, atheists, Muslims seeing how we interact with debates. Anyway, it's part of me that always thinks we're lab rats in James's experiment here. Um, uh, and then there's Kenny. I thank Kenny for the, uh, for the picture. It's good to know that the uh, prohibition on images is gone now. Um, but no, even though I have a lot of disagreements with Kenny on a lot of issues, uh, I do respect his willingness to engage uh, in some difficult topics that not a lot of other people are willing to uh, engage uh, Christ, uh, Kenny debates Christians and atheists on topics that lots of the Dawah guys spend their entire Dawah careers running from. So uh, hats off to Kenny for that. So was Jesus a Muslim? Short answer, no. Long answer, no. Just to be clear. Um, there are all kinds of directions I could go with this, and, and Kenny even brought up some of the passages, but I could point out that the Quran denies Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection, but Jesus said things like, 
For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, then the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. Not what Islam teaches on these issues. Uh, I could show that Jesus commanded his followers to love their enemies so that they can be more like their father in heaven. The Quran says that Allah has no love for unbelievers. I could show that Jesus condemned prayer and fasting that are meant to be seen by others. But in Islam, prayer and fasting seem to be designed to be seen by others. There are all kinds of contradictions between the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of Islam. But as Kenny pointed out, you could sort of uh, push all those, aside, all those aside and say, well, Jesus still submitted uh, to God as a Muslim. I'm in a generous mood, so I'm going to keep this as simple as possible. I'm going to focus on one issue. And not only am I going to focus on one issue, I'm going to focus on an issue where Muslims generally think they've got us. What do Muslims think is their strongest, most powerful point when they talk about Jesus? Let's find out. In Surah 19, verses 88 to 91 of the Quran, we read, And they say, the most beneficent has begotten a son. Certainly, you have made an abominable assertion whereby the heavens are almost torn and the earth is split asunder and the mountains fall in ruins, that they ascribe a son to the most beneficent. So calling Jesus the Son of God is such an abominable assertion that the universe is on the verge of falling apart when people call Jesus the Son of God. Surah 17, verse 111. Say, praise be to Allah who begets no son and has no partner in his dominion. Allah has no son. Why not? Surah 6, verse 101. Wonderful originator of the heavens and the earth. How can he have a son when he has no wife? Allah has no wife, so he can't have a son. And if you say that he has a son, you're in all kinds of trouble because that's the only sin that Allah can't just let slide. Surah 4, verse 48. Allah forgives not that partners should be set up with him, but he forgives anything else to whom he pleases. To set up partners with Allah is to devise a sin most heinous indeed. Allah can forgive anything else, but he can't forgive associating a partner with him. Associating a partner with Allah is called shirk. So, associating partner with Allah, claiming that Allah has a son, is the worst possible sin in Islam. Since Muslims believe in Ismat al-Anbiya, that's Allah's protection of the prophets from falling into major error, Jesus obviously couldn't have committed the worst possible sin if he was a real Muslim, right? And those who were around Jesus wouldn't have gotten the impression that he was the son of God because he wouldn't have given them that impression, right? And there's no way that God and angels and prophets would identify Jesus as the son of God, right? So we know what we're definitely not going to find if Jesus was a Muslim prophet. We're not going to find a bunch of shirk everywhere. Let's see if our expectations are confirmed by the evidence. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and in Matthew 3, when Jesus comes out of the water, the Spirit of God descends as a dove, and a voice out of the heavens proclaims, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. A voice out of the heavens says, this is my beloved son. This was the voice of the father. 
But how do we know that the Father was referring to Jesus? How do we know he wasn't talking about John the Baptist or someone else? Well, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven and landed on Jesus. Notice, the Father and the Holy Spirit together identify Jesus as the Son of God. And Jesus repeatedly identifies himself as the Son of God. At his trial, for instance, in Mark 14, the high priest asks him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus answers, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in complete agreement that Jesus is the Son of God. In Luke 1, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Jesus is to be called the Son of the Most High, according to the angel Gabriel. What about the prophets? John the Baptist was a prophet, according to both Christianity and Islam. In John 1, he tells his followers about Jesus and says, I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. That's the testimony of the prophets. How about Jesus' apostles? At the end of John 1, the apostle Nathaniel says to Jesus, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. In Matthew 16, Jesus asks his disciples, Who do you say that I am? Peter answers, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, if Jesus were just a prophet, this would have been a really good time to rebuke Peter. Instead, Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's strange. Jesus says that the Father revealed that Jesus is the Son of God. Why wouldn't the Father reveal that Jesus was a merely human prophet of Islam? In Matthew 14, Jesus walks on water during a storm. After stepping into the boat, the wind stops, and his disciples bow down and worship him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. But it's not just his male followers who call him the Son of God. In John 11, Lazarus dies, and Martha, the sister of Lazarus, meets Jesus on his way to raise Lazarus from the dead. We read, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha and the apostles and John the Baptist were all Jews who believed in Jesus, but even the Jewish leaders who rejected Jesus admitted that he was claiming to be the Son of God. At his crucifixion, they mocked him and said, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. So, whether they believed in him or didn't believe in him, the Jews of his time acknowledged that Jesus was claiming to be the Son of God. And even some of the Romans called Jesus the Son of God. When Jesus died by crucifixion, there was an earthquake, and the Roman centurion and those who were with him shouted, Truly, this was the Son of God. 
Even demons would call Jesus the Son of God as he was casting them out of people. We read in Luke 4, And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. Now, think about the diversity of witnesses that we have here. The Father identifies Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus identifies himself as the Son of God. The Holy Spirit identifies Jesus as the Son of God. The angel Gabriel identifies Jesus as the Son of God. The prophet John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus' apostles identify him as the Son of God. Martha identifies him as the Son of God. Roman soldiers identify him as the Son of God. Demons identify him as the Son of God. And people who certainly didn't believe that he's the Son of God publicly proclaimed that he was claiming to be the Son of God. Seems like a pretty good lineup of witnesses. So, what's the problem? Well, about six centuries after, everyone who could possibly identify Jesus as the Son of God identified him as the Son of God. An illiterate seventh-century caravan robber named Muhammad came along and said that Jesus isn't the Son of God and never claimed to be. And Muhammad's followers believed him, someone that I would regard as the least reliable witness of Jesus in history. They believed him instead of believing the unparalleled cloud of witnesses who affirmed that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, you might think that we're simply at an impasse here. Christians believe what the unparalleled cloud of witnesses said, while Muslims believe what the Arabian caravan robber said. Maybe we should just agree to disagree. But it's not that simple because there are some problems for the Muslim view. The most glaring problem is that the Quran affirms the inspiration, preservation, and authority of the Jewish and Christian scriptures. Let's take a look at some of the clearest passages in the Quran. Surah 3, verses 3 to 4. He, Allah, has revealed to you the book with truth, verifying that which is before it, and he revealed the Torah and the gospel aforetime, a guidance for mankind, and he revealed the criterion. So, Allah revealed the Torah and the Gospel as a guidance for mankind. Many Muslims insist that Allah's plans were thwarted and that the Torah and the Gospel were eventually corrupted. But this isn't what the Quran claims at all. In fact, the Quran declares that 7th century Jews and Christians were still reading the Torah and the Gospel during the time of Muhammad. In Surah 7, verse 157, Allah says, those who follow the messenger, the unlettered prophet, whom they find written down with them in the Torah and the gospel, it is they who will prosper. How can Jews and Christians find Muhammad mentioned in the Torah and the gospel if we don't have the Torah and the gospel? Is the Quran saying that there are parts about Muhammad that are reliable, even though other parts have been corrupted? How would we know that the parts about Muhammad weren't corrupted? What's the point of appealing to a book to validate your prophet if you're simultaneously claiming that the book you're appealing to has been corrupted? Contrary to charges of corruption, the Quran asserts that no one can change Allah's words. Surah 6, verses 114 to 115. Shall I then seek a judge other than Allah? And he it is who has revealed to you the book made plain. And those to whom we have given the book know that it is revealed by your Lord with truth. Therefore, you should not be of the disputers. And the word of your Lord has been accomplished truly and justly. There is none who can change his words. 
and he is the hearing, the knowing. None, there is none who can change his words. Surah 18, verse 27, and recite what has been revealed to you of the book of your Lord. There is none who can alter his words, and you shall not find any refuge besides him. In Surah 5, verse 43, some Jews come to Muhammad to settle a dispute. Allah responds, why do they come to you for judgment, O Muhammad, when they have the Torah before them, wherein is the judgment of Allah? Yet they turn back after that, and these are not the believers. Jews come to Muhammad. Hey, Muhammad, can you settle this dispute? Allah's response is, why are they coming to you, Muhammad? They don't need you. They've got the Torah. According to the Quran, do Jews need the Quran? No, because they have the Torah. According to Muslims today, do Jews need the Quran? Yes, because the Torah has been corrupted. So there's always a difference between what the Quran says and what Muslims believe. What about Christians? Just a few verses after Allah tells Jews that they don't need Muhammad, Allah commands Christians in Surah 5, verse 47, Let the people of the gospel judge by what Allah hath revealed therein. If any do fail to judge by the light of what Allah hath revealed, they are no better than those who rebel. According to the Quran, should Christians judge by the gospel? Absolutely, we're rebels against Allah if we don't. According to Muslims today, should Christians judge by the gospel? Of course not, the gospel's been corrupted. Once again, we see a, a big difference between what the Quran says and what Muslims believe. If the Torah and the gospel have been corrupted, Jews and Christians have nowhere else to turn, because in Surah 5, verse 68, Allah tells Muhammad to say, Say, O people of the book, you have no ground to stand upon unless you stand fast by the Torah, the gospel, and all the revelation that has come to you from your Lord. Interestingly, the Torah and the gospel were authoritative, not just for Jews and for Christians, but also for Muhammad. When Muhammad was having doubts about his revelations, he was commanded to go to the people of the book for confirmation. Allah tells Muhammad in Surah 10, verse 94, But if you are in doubt as to what we have revealed to you, ask those who read the book before you. Certainly the truth has come to you from your Lord. Therefore you should not be of the disputers. Ask those who read the book before you. He's talking about the people of the book, Jews and Christians. Muhammad could only confirm his revelations by making sure they line up with our revelations. So the Torah and the gospel are authoritative, not only for Jews and Christians, but also for Muhammad himself. Muslims who deny the inspiration, preservation, and authority of the Bible are therefore contradicting the Quran. But it gets worse because the Quran doesn't just affirm Allah's protection of the Christian scriptures. The Quran also affirms Allah's protection of Christians. Surah 3, verse 55, Behold, Allah said, O Jesus, I will take you and raise you to myself and clear you of the falsehoods of those who blaspheme. I will make those who follow you superior to those who reject faith to the day of resurrection. Allah said he would protect Jesus' followers to the day of resurrection. That's a long time. Surah 61, verse 14, O you who believe, be helpers in the cause of Allah, as Jesus, son of Mary, said to his disciples, who are my helpers in the cause of Allah? The disciples said, we are helpers in the cause of Allah. So a party of the children of Israel believed and another party disbelieved. Then we aided those who believed against their enemy and they became uppermost. 
A party of the children of Israel believed in Jesus. A party of the children of Israel didn't believe in Jesus. The Quran says that Allah aided those who believed in Jesus until they became uppermost over those who didn't believe in Jesus. And if you read Yusuf Ali's commentary on this verse, he said it refers to Christians taking over the Roman Empire, becoming uppermost. So Allah aided the true followers of Jesus until they took over the Roman Empire. Quick question. Did the followers of Jesus who took over the Roman Empire believe that Jesus is the Son of God? They did indeed. So those are the ones Allah helped. Those are the ones who have Allah's stamp of approval as the true followers of Jesus. Putting all of this together, Allah points to Jesus and says that he was a Muslim prophet. And yet Jesus called himself the Son of God, as did the Father, the Holy Spirit, the angel Gabriel, and John the Baptist. Allah says that Jesus' disciples were devout Muslims. And yet Jesus' followers called him the Son of God and worshipped him. Allah says that he aided the true followers of Jesus until they became uppermost, and yet the followers of Jesus who became uppermost called him the Son of God. Would a Muslim prophet call himself the Son of God and convince everyone around him that he's claiming to be the Son of God? No. So was Jesus a Muslim prophet? Obviously not. The Islamic view of Jesus completely self-destructs. But notice, since Allah and Muhammad affirm the scriptures and the witnesses that call Jesus the Son of God, we can add Allah and Muhammad to our list of witnesses. There they are at the bottom. But we'll call them indirect witnesses. They officially deny that Jesus is the Son of God, but they show that Jesus is the Son of God in other ways. Now, since we have so many witnesses declaring that Jesus is the Son of God, how can Muslims defend their claim that Jesus was a devout Muslim prophet who would never commit shirk? Well, they go to the Bible and they say Jesus submitted to God and that's all that Muslim means. And that's fine, but now you're stripping away everything that we read about what it means to submit to God in the Quran. The one thing that you don't do if you're submitting to God is call yourself the Son of God, and that's exactly what Jesus did over and over and over again. And Kenny quoted passages where Jesus is referring to his Father, where Jesus is the Son. And that means, of course, that since Kenny is affirming that that's true submission to God, we can even add Kenny Bomer to our list of witnesses. 30 seconds. Isn't it great that even your opponents are forced to agree that Jesus truly submitted to the Father as the Son and that this is proper submission? This means, of course, that Muhammad got everything wrong about what submission means. Thank you very much, David, for that opening as well. We'll kick it over to Kenny for his rebuttal. This is 12 minutes. Kenny, the floor is all yours. Sorry, thank you. So uh, I have a lot to say here. I'm going to start by saying, get yourself a thousand words. And mm, it speaks quite volumes here uh, in my mind, in that uh, we have Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and it seems that Christians believe that this is Jesus, so this is a depiction of Jesus. And what is he doing? He's submitting himself in prayer. So what David Wood has done with his opening statement, he kind of bounced around with a number of different topics, which I figured that he would, trying to talk about Muhammad, peace be upon him, and trying to justify the Bible using the Quran. It doesn't really work out that, that well, uh, because there's many verses of the Quran that when we speak about the word of Allah, we're talking about the the word of Allah that was revealed to the prophets and the messengers in its original form. We're not talking about words according to men and gospels according to 
anonymous authors and so forth. We're not talking about that. As a matter of fact, Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Anisa, chapter 4, verse 171, he says, O people of the book, do not go to extremes regarding your faith. Say nothing about Allah except the truth. The Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary, was no more than a messenger of Allah, and the fulfillment of his word through Mary, and a spirit created by a command from him. So believe in Allah and his messengers, and do not say Trinity, stop for your own good. Allah is the one and only God. Glory be to him. He is far above having a son. To him belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth. And Allah is sufficient as a trustee of all affairs. So what David Wood has done, he's opened up the door to the Christian dilemma. Uh, in my opening statement, I asked the question, does it make sense that in these verses of the Bible that are claiming that Jesus, are stating clearly, very clearly, that Jesus, peace be upon him, is in submission to God, very clear, unambiguous statements. Uh, are we supposed to believe in the same verses and ver you know associated verses that He's also claiming to be God, or that He's saying that He's the literal Son of God? Uh, th these types of arguments it just doesn't it doesn't balance out. It doesn't make sense, especially when we go to to the to the to the book of the Bible, where yes, there's many verses that claims that He's the Son of God, but as David Wells, well aware of the sons by the tons argument that he mentioned in his recent video. Um, that's something that we don't even have to bring up because we know that that issue is there where in the Bible, uh, many people are called sons of God. So is this, an un, you know, unambiguously is this stating that Jesus is the begotten son of God when we know in the book of John and John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. Well, lo and behold, the scholars have... Uh, honestly revealed that the word begotten is a interpolation shouldn't be there. So these are ambiguous uh, terms that are used in the Bible, and we see them over and over and over again. But if we're going to go down the road that in trying to prove that Jesus is the Son of God, and according to these witnesses, well, we have many other witnesses that say many other things. Uh, matter of fact, in the book of Luke twenty four nineteen, it says he is he was a prophet, a powerful powerful in word and and deed. Uh, before God and all people, in John seven forty, the 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 book that's most in question uh, said, "Surely this man is a prophet." The crowds answered that this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, in Matthew twenty one, uh, verse eleven. Also in John six fourteen says, "After the people saw the sign uh, Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world.'" They uh. And Luke 7.16 says, They were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us. In Luke 7.16. Also John 4.19 says, says uh, the, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now listen, listen to what all these testimonies are, are stating. Um, so are we to conclude that, that our God, our creator, turned himself to his own son that people refer to as prophet in this book of the, in the Bible that says that God is not the author of confusion, but we have Jesus, peace be upon him, being mentioned as a prophet by numerous people. They're not calling him God in these, these verses. They're not saying that he's the son of God in these verses. They're calling him a human being, a man, a prophet, a messenger of our God, our creator, and surely the consistency of a man defines who he is. Now, the consistency of the writers of the, the Bible are very inconsistent. And if God's not the author of confusion, and if we're to believe that these are inspired words of God, then why would God not clearly, 
clearly state exactly who Jesus, peace be upon him, is without any question in the minds of anyone. If we have, if we can debate these issues, then that, that means that there's a problem there. It's not a, a clear-cut fact, an unambiguous fact that could be that could be uh, uh, you know clearly laid down and, every, and easily understood by everyone. But when we state that a Muslim, by example, is one who chooses willingly to su- submit himself to the uh, will of our Creator, that's very easy to understand. And we say that with a single word: the word Muslim. Jesus did this time and time and time and time again. 47 times in this book of John that they turn to and say, this is proving that Jesus is God himself, right? He's God himself. 47 times he's in submission to what? Himself. I mean, no disrespect by this. I'm asking you to use logic and reason. You put this on the scales for yourself and you you decide, does this really add up? In my mind, it doesn't make add up. It, but it does add up in, to think that zero times Jesus, peace be upon him, declared himself to be God in any book of the Bible. And 47 times in this book of John alone, 47 times, according to Christian scholars and so forth, Muslims don't have to go there. It's it's always argued that Muslims are the ones who go to these submission verses because that's, you know, uh, it, it's our biggest argument. Well, that's a pretty strong argument when you... Mm, you look over here at this picture here, and we see these types of pictures all over the world where Jesus is doing what? He's submitting himself. If you believe, I don't believe this is Jesus. That's why I can handle this picture, because this is not Jesus. But nevertheless, it it's a person who is submitting himself over and over and over again uh, to the one who sent him. Also, Jesus himself explains that he's only doing the will of God in, in further verses. He says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, who we sent, has glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work you gave me to do. Does God give Himself His own assignment and and uh, put Himself in incognito and and you know in uh, in camouflage as as a as 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 His own Son uh, to to do something that that doesn't quite add up. That doesn't make sense. Uh, and Jesus, peace be upon him, says in John twelve forty nine and fifty, if you believe these are His words, I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has commanded me to say uh, what to say and how to say it, and I know that his command leads to eternal life. So I speak exactly what the Father has told me to say. Okay, so what is he What is he saying? That God has told him to go and declare what? Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God is one Lord. Complete and utter uh, monotheism. Now, unfortunately, um, with David Wood trying to use the Quran to validate the the Bible, it fails miserably because if you do any research whatsoever, you'll see that there's dozens of, tra- of not translations, but dozens of versions of the Bible that have uh, things that are missing in some and there and others and, and so forth. So these aren't the original words that are delivered to the prophets and the messengers. Matter of fact, these people aren't messengers at all. These are most likely scribes. And if we know uh, what it says that... Uh, uh, in the book of Jeremiah 8.8, 8, I believe, it says, How do we say that we're wise and the word of the Lord is with us when, behold, the lying pen of the scribe has turned it into a lie? And that's exactly the message that is revealed in the Quran about the books of the Bible. It's not referring to the original words that were given to Jesus, peace be upon him, or Moses, peace be upon him, or, or any other literal prophet and messenger. Um, those words that Allah has given to those individuals can't be changed. However, 
words that are have been corrupted where someone has given their own interpretation and added things here and added things there words according to human beings certainly can be and so uh, we see that uh, clearly with um, with all these examples if we keep going we know that Jesus peace be upon him said uh, that in 640 he says uh, let me go to 716 he says Jesus answered them and said my teaching is not mine but of him who sent me Again, he's admitting that he's being directed by a higher power. He's submitting himself to a higher power. Does God change himself into a human being? Consider the vastness of this universe. If you've ever flown in a plane, you look down at the, the, the cars and stuff in the buildings, they become minute. Are we to think that our God, our creator of this vast universe, all the galaxies and so forth, submitted himself to an inkling of a human being, not, no disrespect to any prophet and messenger, no disrespect to human being that Allah describes in the Quran as the best of his creation, by the way. But are we to think that our God, our creator, crunk himself to a human being and placed himself in the womb of a woman, resided there, breastfed from her, had to learn how to walk and, and talk and so forth? He, he did all that to prove a point? Absolutely not. Does it make more sense to think that he would send prophets and messengers to guide mankind? And as, as Allah revealed in the Quran, that he sent a prophet and messenger to, to every community in their own language so that there could be no confusion about the true uh, message of monotheism that was being conveyed. And lo and behold, the Bible says that Jesus was, was he's, he himself, if you believe these are his words in the Bible, he says, I was not sent except to the lost tribe of the children of Israel. And he was speaking in their, their dialect. And what did he say? Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God is one Lord. The message of absolute and complete monotheism. So David Wood has opened up a huge dilemma, the, the Christian dilemma, where you go to these verses. And yes, we as Muslims, we do uh, note and take note of the fact that the verses of the Bible are saying that Jesus submitted his will to the will of our creator. And as I mentioned, the numerous Christian uh, uh scholars and so forth that I mentioned in my opening statement, they too admit that, and they have to, because it's very obvious that Jesus, peace be upon him, submitted his will to the will of our creator. Um, but again, in these same verses, we're supposed to believe that he's also saying that he's God, the, the, the very God that he submitted to. Mm. That, that's a pretty tough thing to swallow there. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure that uh, that's something that we can really digest if you're if you're looking at these things sincerely and you're looking at looking at these things without the influence of acquired knowledge that your your mom and your dad taught you and, and those things. If you sit down and read for yourself and analyze for yourself, the only thing that you conclude is that a human being is destined to be in submission to our creator. He is our creator and one who chooses to live in submission to our creator willingly by the very definition of the word Muslim, is in fact a Muslim. Jesus did this time and time and time again. I think that was my conclusion there. Thank you. Thank you very much for that rebuttal, Kenny. We're going to kick it over to David as well for his 12-minute rebuttal. David, the floor is all yours. Thank you, James and Kenny. Uh, in my opening statement, I showed that all three persons of the Trinity— Prophets and apostles, angels and demons, men and women, Jews and Gentiles, anyone who could possibly identify Jesus as the Son of God, identified him as the Son of God, which is very strange for a devout Muslim prophet to give that impression to absolutely everyone. I showed that Allah and Muhammad agree, albeit indirectly, 
They affirm the inspiration and the and the preservation and the authority of Christian scriptures, which I quoted to show that Jesus is the Son of God. And I show that Kenny accidentally affirmed that Jesus is the Son of God by quoting passages where uh, Jesus is the Son of the Father, and he refers to his Father. So definitely not a Muslim in any meaningful sense of the term beyond uh, beyond bare minimum submission. But if that's what Kenny says Muslim really means, then again, if that's what true submission to God is, then Muhammad got it all wrong, and Muhammad is a false prophet. Kenny says, I can't, <laughs> I can't use the Quran to affirm the Bible since there are different versions of the Bible. Well, uh... Kenny, that that would be your problem. That if your God is telling us to judge by the gospel, uh, what's that mean? And what do you even mean by different versions, like King James version or something like that? These are translations. Uh, what do you mean by versions which would cause us to not go to the gospels that your God and your prophet affirm as the inspired, preserved, authoritative word of God? And if Kenny's saying we can't go to these, we can't go to the Bible then once again, Muhammad is a false prophet because he orders Jews to judge by the Torah. He orders Christians to judge by the gospel. If Kenny says we can't do that, then Allah is spouting complete nonsense. Um, Kenny, my goodness, Kenny says that Jeremiah 8.8 says that the Torah has been corrupted, total nonsense, that the entire book of Jeremiah is about false prophets uh, giving messages to their scribes, saying that, that, that the Jews will never be punished by the Babylonians, even though the Torah... The Torah says that if they uh, go in the direction of paganism, God is going to punish them and they will be exiled. There were false prophets saying you will never be exiled. It will never happen. And Jeremiah 8.8 8 says that the pens of the scribes have made the law a lie. So the law says, yes, God's going to punish you. The lying scribes say, no, they won't. Right. That's not, we've still got the Torah. It doesn't say that you will never be punished. It says that you will be punished. We have the real Torah. The lying scribes, we don't have the writings anymore because they were exposed as false prophets. Kenny says, it's absurd to think that the creator of the universe shrank himself down inside a human. I mean, according to the Quran, Allah shrank himself down into a fire to appear to Moses in the burning bush. So if he can appear in a fire, I don't know why he couldn't appear in a, in a human being. Uh, Kenny says that Jesus was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. My goodness, Kenny, keep reading in the same book. He eventually sends his disciples out, tells them to go into all nations, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This would be, be like me quoting the Quran, which says that Muhammad was sent to the people around Mecca and saying, see, therefore he was only sent to the people of Mecca. It never, were, it never went anywhere else beyond that. No Muslim would accept that. Why do you do that with the Bible? Kenny quotes Surah 4, verse 171, interesting passage, that's where Jesus is called the word of Allah. Muhammad copied that because Christians, he heard Christians calling Jesus the word of Allah, not realizing that it's, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So it's a reference to Jesus' deity. Kenny refers to what he calls the Christian dilemma. He says, how can we understand passages where Jesus submits to God when we believe that Jesus it's God. Well, that's the whole doctrine of the incarnation. Uh, yes, if you leave the doctrine of the Trinity and the incarnation out of any explanations, it won't make sense. Um, but that's why you don't do that. You got to. You got to treat. Um, if you're going to treat our theology, then treat it accurately. Kenny says many people in the Bible are called sons of God. Yeah, but they wouldn't have had problems saying that Jesus uh, was the Son of God in in some sense. Notice the reaction of people when Jesus is is uh, calling himself the Son of God. They understand that he's claiming to be the Son of God in a, a very unique sense. He is the unique son of God. He says that he's the one who will judge the world, even though the Quran says that Allah is the one who, judge, who will judge the world. Jesus says that he's the one who raises the dead at the resurrection. 
even though the Quran says that Allah is the one who raises the dead at the resurrection. So he's not claiming to be a merely generic son of God as if, eh, we're all children of God. He's claiming to be someone very special. Uh, Kenny repeatedly quoted Jesus referring to his father. Um, that's a problem. According to the Quran, Allah is a father to no one. The Quran says that there is no one who doesn't approach Allah as anything but a slave. Allah is a father to no one. Allah's got 99 names. Father ain't one. Kenny keeps quoting, uh, Kenny keeps quoting, God is not the author of confusion. Muslims do this. That's talking about confusion and worship. A bunch of people are babbling at all the same time and no one can understand what's being said. It's talking about confusion and worship. It's not saying you will never find theology confusing or something like that. Uh, Kenny says there's not a single unambiguous verse of the Bible that says Jesus is God. Kenny, if you'd like to debate the deity of Christ, I'd be happy to. But uh, technically speaking, this debate is about whether Jesus was a Muslim. You could think that Jesus is a complete lunatic and that all his claims are false. The question is whether he's a Muslim. So if you walk out of here saying, wow, that Jesus said some really crazy things. I don't believe any of that. Fine. But was he a Muslim? No. You, you, you can't take these claims and make sense of them if he's a Muslim. But again, if you'd like to have a debate on, on the deity of Christ, be happy to do that. Um, interestingly, Kenny quoted Philippians 2. He quoted Paul in Philippians 2 to show that Jesus was a servant. If you'd actually read the passage, Kenny, it might clear up some of the confusion. Uh, but let's look at what the passage actually says, where it refers to Jesus as a servant. Philippians 2, verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name. But at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You can't make sense of that passage without the doctrine of the Trinity. Why are you quoting that to show that Jesus was a Muslim? Kenny quotes uh, John 17, 3, where Jesus says that eternal life is knowing the Father and Jesus whom the Father has sent. Uh, Kenny leaves out two verses later where Jesus says that he's going back to the Father and he says, Father, glorify me in your, in your presence with the glory I had before the foundation of the world. Does not sound like a good Muslim there. Kenny says that Jesus lived in submission to God, therefore that he was a Muslim. And Kenny brought, Kenny brought up the fallacy of equivocation here. If you want to say some technical uh, sense of the word that doesn't go anywhere beyond that, you can do this in all kinds of ways. Notice, if I wanted to say Kenny is a Buddhist, could I do that? Of course I could. Buddha just means enlightened one. Do Muslims believe that Muhammad was enlightened? Of course they do. So Muhammad was the Buddha, and his followers are Buddhists. If I'm just going with a linguistic meaning, it's kind of irrelevant. But I don't think, I, I think people would clearly misunderstand me if I went around saying that Kenny is a Buddhist. What does the term Jehovah's Witness mean? It means a witness of God, witnessing for God. Are Muslims witnessing for God? Yes. Therefore, Muslims are Jehovah's Witnesses. You do this all day long. It's really easy to do. So Muhammad is Buddha. Um, Muhammad was a Jehovah's Witness. You can make these claims all day long. They're just not very useful or not very interesting. Um, especially, especially if you're uh, if you're claiming 
that Jesus did submit to God. We've seen how Jesus submitted to God. He submitted to God as the Son, submitting to the Father, entering creation, taking on the nature of a servant. That's how Jesus submitted to the Father. Is that Islam? Well, once again, if you say that's Islam, and you're fine with that, and that's great, and that's Islam, then you've got a problem, because the Quran makes that the worst unforgivable sin. In other words, if what Kenny is saying is correct, if what Kenny is saying is true, that Jesus truly submitted as a Muslim to the Father, then there's Father, then there's Son. The Quran is affirming scriptures which talk about the Holy Spirit and the angel Gabriel and all these witnesses affirming that Jesus is the divine Son. If those are correct, and there's no way around it because the Quran says that these scriptures are the inspired, preserved, authoritative word of Allah, then that's true submission to Allah. And if Muslims want to believe that Muhammad was a true prophet, if you Muslims want to believe that Muhammad was a true prophet, and his revelations deny that Jesus is the Son, and deny all of these things from the gospel that Allah and Muhammad affirmed as the inspired, preserved, authoritative word of God, there's only one way out. You have to conclude that the Quran was later corrupted. You'd have to conclude, if you believe that Jesus truly submitted and that Muhammad was a true, true prophet in the same line with Jesus, and Jesus called himself the divine son of God, you can't have later revelation saying that that's the worst possible unforgivable sin. According to the Quran, Jesus was sinless. According to Muhammad, Jesus was sinless. Therefore, Jesus couldn't have been committing the worst possible sin over and over and over again like a beating drum. And so, Kenny talks about this uh, Christian dilemma. We've got a Muslim dilemma here. So if you want to say that Jesus submitted to God properly, then Islam is false. Islam, is, Islam would have to be false because the Quran condemns the way that Jesus submitted to God. If, on the other hand, you want to say, oh, nope, calling yourself the son of God, that's definitely bad, then Jesus was a Muslim prophet, and he wasn't sinless, and Islam, once again, turns out to be false. So either way, Islam turns out to be false. So you can go with the etymological meaning of any of these passages you want. If Kenny wants to say that Jesus was a Muslim in some limited, narrow sense, fine. But since the Quran affirms that way as true submission, Muslims today have it wrong. They should be submitting to the Father and the Son, as Jesus' followers did. Because remember, Allah affirmed that he aided the true followers of Jesus until they uh, prospered and took over the Roman Empire and became uppermost over those who opposed them. What's that mean? Those are the ones who had Allah's stamp of approval. Those are the ones who submitted to Jesus as Lord and the divine Son of God. So if they had it right, according to Allah, Muslims today have it wrong. Thank you very much, Dave. And we'll kick it over to Kenny for his final rebuttal. This is eight minutes. Kenny, the floor is all yours. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, uh, for one, I never... He's, he's, if you notice, his arguments are all over the place, and the consistency of a, an argument defines that argument. Uh, David Wood has had to resort to trying to appeal to the, the Quran and trying to attack the credibility of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And again, the consistency of an argument defines that argument. In my opening statement and throughout the course of this uh, debate so far, what I've demonstrated and is that Jesus, peace be upon him, who Christians believe to be God and the Son of God at the same time somehow, submitted himself to the will of our Creator 
numerous times in the Bible. So, it, uh, for one, as, as Muslims, we don't believe that Jesus, peace be upon him, would have used this father terminology unless he was trying to say in the uh, ambiguous sense that when he says, I go to my father and your father, my Lord and your Lord, is a reference to this type of terminology that might have been used in the, in his time. Uh, but outside of that, we don't believe that he literally meant that, obviously, he had a literal father that he's submitting himself to. We believe he's submitting himself to our creator and our creator alone, which is why I've specifically used the word creator throughout the course of this debate to signify what a Muslim believes. If Muslims don't believe that Jesus, so that's a, that's a, a kind of a, a straw man or red herring argument in that um uh, he's made the claim that I'm I'm acknowledging that Jesus submitted himself to the Father. I'm only mentioning what the verses of the Bible says. But again, um, if you try to validate the books of the Bible with the Quran, the Quran is called Al-Furqan, right? And it is the corrector between, what, between truth and falsehood. So those things that are consistent with what uh, is revealed in the Quran we accept as Muslims. Do we believe that Jesus submitted his will to our creator? Absolutely. Do we believe that Jesus is God? Absolutely not. Do we believe he's the son? Actually, the Bible never says that Jesus is God. But even if it did, do we, would we believe that? No, we wouldn't. But um, we certainly don't believe that he was the literal son of our creator either. So um, we take we take what, we, what would be consistent that we see a consistent message that we see with all prophets and messengers, peace be upon them all. We see that they all submitted their wills to our creator. They all declared the true absolute oneness of our creator. None of them mentioned anything about a trinity. None of them mentioned anything about a son of God. We see this with the anonymous writers of the books of the Bible. And you see, uh, back to the Christian dilemma is that what David Wood is forced to do, what Christians in general are forced to do, when we talk about these things and when we declare that Jesus was a Muslim, they have to go and try to um, make the argument that Jesus is both. You notice in, during the debate, he's made the arguments to try to prove that Jesus is the son of God. And he's also made arguments to try to prove that Jesus is God himself. And so there, therein lies the Christian dilemma. Uh, being a former Christian and having talked to many Christian uh, uh, Christians that are you know still Christian and who are struggling with their with their uh, faith system and also revert to were former Christians, knowing that they, when they hear these types of things, they naturally question these things. And the message from our creator would be unjust from our creator. If he sent a message to mankind that caused so much confusion, we don't believe as Muslims that he did that. We believe the clear statements hero, Israel, our Lord, our God is one. Muslims say, this is our creator telling us directly what to say once again. To say, he is Allah, the one and only God. He is the eternal, the absolute. He begets not, nor is he begotten. And there's nothing that compares to him. These are clear statements. Hero, Israel, God, or one is one is a clear statement. If you have to bounce around, just as David Wood has done during this debate, and try to justify this and justify that and argue that. Uh, and, and he's conceded that he, know, he knows he, there's no other option. He has to concede that Jesus, peace be upon him, prayed to and submitted himself to the will of our creator. He has to admit that because those are very clear. He can't run from that. Christians can't run from that. I mean no disrespect when I, this terminology. I'm just saying you can't avoid that. Um, 
But what they have to appeal to is this Christian dilemma where now they have to concede that point that Jesus was living in submission, and now they have to to try to to try to balance that out with Jesus claiming to be be the Son of God, and if you keep going further, he's actually claiming to be God himself that he never actually does in the books of the Bible. Jesus, peace be upon him, doesn't say it. Not of the words that are that are associated to to his his uh, red letter Bible. He's he's not saying it. Matter of fact, nobody says it. The Bible never says that Jesus is God. But here we are in this Christian dilemma where you have to concede that Jesus lived in submission to the will of our Creator. Again, the very definition of the etymological sense of the word that means submission to the will of our creator the will of god the will of allah and again a rose by any other name would smell as sweet whatever you want to call our creator i say our creator just to balance it out so people know exactly who we're referencing but if we have people who are living in willing submission to our creator by the literal definition of the word whether you want to try to build the argument that this person is God, well, now you, your dilemma continues and it magnifies in that now you have to struggle with the idea that God is submitting himself. He turned himself into his own son and submitted himself to himself, prayed to himself, relied upon himself as his own son that was himself, and you know, and gave all glory to himself. It, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't add up uh, unless you are indoctrinated with tradition of your forefathers that have uh, led you down this road where this I mentioned that that the most consistent lies told about Jesus you know they're they're very widespread and they're very consistent but however the consistency of a man defines who he is. So if you consider what he's doing consistently in this very book of John that I mentioned, 47 times he's submitting to the will of our creator. Put that on, put, put that on one side of the scale. And can you produce a verse on the other side that says Jesus is God? No, you can't. So the, the things are, you know, the, the weight is in favor of um, the fact that Jesus, peace be upon him, was routinely living his life, as I mentioned. Matter of fact, I'm not the one who mentioned Philippians 2.7. The Christian scholars that I had mentioned, matter of fact, I think that was uh, um, the Christian the theologian John Gill who mentioned Philippians 7. And the reason I use these these Christians to, um, to mention these verses is because they themselves, in these verses, they're admitting that Jesus, peace be upon them, lived in submission to the will of our Creator. Now, they may go on throughout the, their arguments and so forth to try to justify that Jesus is actually God or Jesus is the Son of God who's before submitting his will to himself and, and so forth. But um, if you look at this logically, you step back and, and analyze what's being said. The only thing that you conclude is Jesus, peace be upon him, consistently was submitting himself to the will of our Creator. And again, that is the literal definition, the etymological definition of the word. And that's the sense that you Muslims use when we say it. So if you ever hear a Muslim say Jesus was a Muslim, that's exactly what we mean. Jesus was indeed a Muslim. Thank you very, thank you very much for that rebuttal, Kenny. Well, the final rebuttal, this is going to be eight minutes from David before we go into the 40-minute open dialogue. Thanks, David. The floor is all yours. So the Father identifies Jesus as 
the Son of God. The Holy Spirit identifies Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus calls himself the Son of God. The angel Gabriel calls him the Son of God. John the Baptist calls him the Son of God. His apostles repeatedly call him the Son of God. Uh, men, women, angels, demons, everyone identifies Jesus as the Son of God. And the Quran orders Christians to judge by the gospel where we read these things. And so if we take that seriously and we judge by the gospel, we have to judge that Islam is false because Islam denies these things about Jesus. Um, Kenny says that the, the Quran is the corrector between truth and falsehood. That's absolute nonsense if you, if you, if you read what that means in context. Allah says that in the Quran, he orders Jews and Christians to go back to their books and not to cover things up and not to twist their scriptures. So that's how the Quran protects the scriptures when a, I mean, matter of fact, that's the, the historical background of Surah 5, verse 43, where Allah orders the Jews to judge by the Torah. He says they don't need Muhammad. Why are they coming to Muhammad when they have the Torah? The historical background is that Jews were trying to get around going to the Torah. And the Quran protects the Torah by sending Jews right back there. And it's just a few verses later where Allah says, Christians, you judge by the gospel. And again, Allah says that Christians and Jews have no ground to stand upon unless we stand upon our scriptures. That makes no sense if we can't trust our scriptures. And when we obey Allah in the Quran, we have to reject the Quran because the Quran contradicts the very scriptures it sends us to judge by. Um, Kenny says that Muslims don't believe that Jesus submitted to the Father in some special sense, maybe, you know, just as God and so on. Um, I, I don't know what scriptures uh, Kenny is reading. Even if you go to some of the most popular passages that Muslims ever quote, I mean, John, John chapter 5, verse 30, of my own self, I can do nothing. Zachary Knight's favorite passage. Just, just go anywhere, go anywhere where they're quoting some of these passages and start reading. Jesus being the Son of God is all over the passage. Let me just show you in John in John chapter 5 here, because it will uh, uh, tie some things together that we've been talking about. Uh, so earlier in the chapter, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath, and this uh, is considered work by the religious leaders. And so Jesus worked on the Sabbath. They rebuke him for this. Uh, but Jesus answered them in verse 17, my father is working until now, and I am working. Now, this was horrifying to them to hear this, right? Because it's a discussion among the rabbis that uh, even though human beings are not allowed to work on the Sabbath, God is working because God is upholding and sustaining the universe. So God can do it. And then Jesus says, well, the Father does it, so I do it too. Is that just claiming to be a normal human being? Well, watch what happens. Verse 18, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And so they think that Jesus is claiming to be some offspring of God who is going around as some separate rogue deity now violating uh, the commands of God. Jesus corrects them, corrects their misunderstanding. Listen to what he says. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Muslims would look at that. He can do nothing of his own accord. You see, he's helpless. He's a helpless Muslim. What, notice what it actually says. The son can do nothing of his own accord, meaning his own will. I'm not some rogue deity, but only what he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Can a devout Muslim prophet say, whatever God does, I do it too? No, would make no sense. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, 
but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Words of Jesus here affirmed by Allah as the inspired, preserved, authoritative word of God. Jesus says, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. If you do not, notice what he said, all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Would someone who has submitted to God as a mere human servant or a mere human prophet say, the way you honor the Father, you have to honor me in the exact same way? That's what Jesus says. And Jesus says, if you don't honor the Son, you don't honor the Father who sent him. So whatever you want to think Jesus means by Father and so on, he says, unless you honor him the same way you honor the Father, you don't, you, you're not honoring the Father. Does Islam honor Jesus the same way you honor God? No. According to Jesus, in the words that your God and your prophet affirm as the inspired, preserved, authoritative word of God, you're not submitting to God properly. And he goes on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He talks about how he's the one who's going to raise the dead. And then he goes on in verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. Now, what's he mean there? I'm just a helpless servant of God, the way Muslims quote it. No, it's not what he means at all. He's saying, you guys think I'm some rogue deity now. I'm not. Everything I'm doing is from the Father. He's one with the Father. So these are the kinds of passages you read, and these are the passages that Muslims read, and they find them uh, awfully confusing. Guess what? It doesn't matter if you find them confusing. If you find them confusing, then you're attacking Jesus, who said these things, and you claim to respect him. That's interesting. Um, Kenny says, I keep trying to show that Jesus is God and that he's the son of God. Uh, no, trying to show that he's not a Muslim. And so if Jesus is the divine son of God, as he claims to be repeatedly, I went, I drew attention to that. Why? Because that's what the Quran says is the worst possible sin. It's the worst possible sin. If Jesus is sinless, he can't repeatedly be committing the worst possible sin. Therefore, he's not a Muslim prophet. Kenny says that uh, uh, Christians are now forced to concede the point that Jesus submitted to God. Does Kenny really think that this is something new to Christians? I mean, it's been built into our theology for 2,000 years. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the second person of the Trinity, enters into creation. It specifically says he took on the nature of a servant. And Kenny thinks he goes to this passage, oh my goodness, he's a servant. What are we going to do? This is all... You can say you reject the theology, but don't say it's confusing or uh, or new to us. It's not. We've known about this for for a very long time. Uh, what what does servant mean here? Does it mean Muslim? No. Again, Jesus submits to the Father as the Son to the Father, and he makes claims uh, makes clear claims showing that he is the Son in a very very unique sense as the one who is the final judge of all humanity. Jesus says that he's the one who decides who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. That is not the sort of thing a merely human Muslim prophet who's properly submitted to Allah should be saying. Um, Kenny thinks that this is all confusing and God wouldn't do all this. Um, my goodness, seriously, Muslims can't even agree on whether Allah has literal body parts. Look at some of the debates that are going on in Islam. If you think that's a problem, if you, if you think Christians got a problem here, um, man, check Islam. Um, and finally, again, Kenny condemns Jesus by saying that all of this is really confusing. This theology is really confusing. Uh, so he's condemning Jesus for being the source of this theology. And he condemns Allah and Muhammad for affirming seconds. that 
as the inspired, preserved, authoritative word of Allah. So every time I go here and I go to a clear passage of Jesus claiming that he's the one uh, who will judge everyone at the final judgment, claiming that Jesus is the one who raises the dead, and Muslims say, ah, we don't believe that stuff. You're claiming to know more than your God, and you're condemning your God and your prophet for ordering us to judge by these scriptures that you say are wrong. You got it. Thanks, Thanks very much, much for that final rebuttal from you, David. We're going to go over to the open dialogue. This is 40 minutes, starting the timer now. And one thing is, just in case it gets, in case there's too much overlap in terms of speaking over each other, then I'll have to cut it into one-minute intervals. And then because we're kind of on triage for microphones, we're, we're going to test and see how echoey it is. I'll turn mine off. Both of your guys' will be on. And so we're going to test to see how echoey it is. In case we have to do you want to practice real quick? Check check one. In case we have to do one minute intervals in which I'll mute oh, turn on during the other person's you can do that. Speech. Matter of fact, you can keep it like two minutes back and forth or something like that if you want. Let's do you that. Two minutes back and forth. Is that good? Two minutes back and forth. Well, you can start you can start if you want. Go ahead, Kenny. The floor is all yours. Okay. Appreciate it. I don't, I don't have my timer going, so I'm just going to wing it here uh, initially. You want to so, give hand? Uh, you want to give hand signals, James, or something? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll put up a hand once we're at thirty seconds. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, uh, what comes to my mind when, when we're talking about this is, uh, if we look over at this picture again, and we're wondering if Christians are referring to Jesus, peace be upon him, as the Son of God, that they also consider to actually be God, who 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 would he be praying to if this, in fact, was Jesus? Peace be upon him. Obviously, it's not Jesus, but if Jesus is submitting himself and praying to another being, uh, how could he very well be the very being that he's he's praying to? Does this make sense? Or, again, does it make more sense that a human prophet, peace be upon him, would have submitted his will to the will of the one who sent him and gave all glory to our creator as he does numerous times in the Bible without one declaration of calling himself God. Um, and again, Muslims don't believe this terminology. You won't find that in the Quran that the, you know, it's referencing Jesus anyway and the father and so forth. That's not in the Quran. He kind of, um, I think he realizes that he knows that. So I'm not sure why he's, uh, making some of the arguments that he's made regarding, um, uh, you know, Jesus or, or you know me confirming that Jesus was praying to the Father. Um, you know, I believe that our G Jesus, peace be upon him, submitting to our Creator, our God and His God, our Lord and His Lord. Okay. Okay. Oh, thirty seconds. So, uh, so again, when when we talk about the Quran and he's trying to use the Quran to validate the Bible. Again, we're talking about um, the original words that are revealed to the prophets and the messengers as revealed by a creator to the prophets and the messengers, peace be upon them all, in their original form. But, um, and this is not a, a debate about how many versions of the Bible are there are and how many, you know, if, if Jesus is God, we're specifically debating the topic, was Jesus a Muslim by the literal definition of the word? And I, th there's no arguing that. It's a, it's a case closed. Okay, two points there. Um, you got me on? Check, check. Ready. Oh, let me start the timer. I've got the timer in here. Okay. Um, 
So there, Kenny said that the, the Quran is affirming uh, the scriptures in their original form. Uh, totally false. Again, the, the Quran repeatedly says that no one can change Allah's words. The Quran was affirming scriptures that were there in the 7th century. Christians in the 7th century, Christians in the 7th century were ordered to, uh, to judge by the gospel. Christians in the 7th century were told that they have no ground to stand upon unless they stand upon the gospel. The Quran over and over and over again affirms the gospel as it still existed in the time of Muhammad. So notice, uh, this is affirming, the Quran is affirming that Christians in the first century had reliable scriptures, second century, third century, fourth century, fifth century, sixth century, all the way into the seventh century, all the way down into Arabia, had authoritative scriptures from God. What's that mean? Well, guess what? We have copies of our scriptures from before that time and after our time. We know what the gospel says. We have, uh, we have plenty, plenty of copies. We have people, uh, commenting on them. We have commentaries, quotations all over the place. We know what the gospel said during that time. That's what Allah tells us to judge by. Um, Kenny uh, asked, uh, who would Jesus be praying to? Again, this is irrelevant for the topic. The question is whether he's a Muslim. Um, but let me break, let me break down pretty quickly. Um, according to Christian theology, you can reject it, but at least get the theology right. Father, Son, Holy Spirit have existed uh, in a loving relationship for, for all eternity. The Son entered creation as Jesus of Nazareth. Again, you can reject it, but at least get the theology right. The Son entered creation as Jesus of Nazareth. Now that he entered creation, is he suddenly going to become an atheist? Or is he going to continue? the relationship with the Father that he's had from all eternity. And how would he do so if he's taken on the nature of a servant? Through prayer. So again, you can say you don't like it. You can say uh, it doesn't make sense to you, yeah. uh, but at least get it right. So back to the Christian dilemma argument. So he's he's had to resort to trying to prove that Jesus is God once again and creating red herring arguments about the, the, the Quran validating the verses of the Bible and so forth, validating the Bible, and that's not even close to being uh, true. So, but if we go back to the question, Jesus, peace be upon him, the human being who was once an embryo who traveled the birth canal, had to, you know, have bowel movements and so forth, mean no disrespect. He was a human being who chose willingly to submit to the will of our creator, the very definition of the word, Muslim. A word or a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Christians readily admit it as he has done so in this debate. So Jesus, we know, submitted his will to the will of our creator, the one who sent him. And it's my intention here today to prove one thing and one thing alone, is that Jesus is a Muslim by the literal etymological sense of the word. And when we say that, um, you know, it should be conceded, the, the point should be conceded when Christians themselves use the same terminology through English phrases and will readily admit, because the Bible says so, that Jesus lived in submission to the will of our Creator. We're not here to debate whether or not Jesus is the Son of God. We're not here to debate whether or not the Quran confirms the Bible. We're not here to debate the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu We're not here to debate those things. We're here to ask, answer the question, who was Jesus praying to? Who was he submitting to? Who is he giving glory to? He was doing that to, he was giving all glory and praise and honor to our God, our creator, our Lord and his Lord, our God and his God. And by the literal definition of the words, what I'm trying to do is argue the fact that when Muslims make claim to Jesus, peace be upon him, we have a right to do so because the consistency of a man defines who he is by the literal definition of this word, Muslim. If you're going to say it in the English language, 
Why can't we say it in the Arabic language with one simple word? That's all. That's simply all we're doing. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. We'll kick it over to David. Um. All right. So Kenny again says Jesus is a Muslim. I, again, I I'll, I'll grant if you want to say Jesus submitted to God, um, and you're saying that it's it's in a relevant sense, then fine. If that's what uh, submission means, then Muhammad got it wrong. Muhammad is submitting to God wrong, and Muslims are submitting to God wrong as well. This is just what happens when your prophet affirms someone who completely contradicts. Uh, his basic teachings and affirms books that completely contradict his teachings and uh, affirms the uh, divine protection of a community that completely contradict his teachings on uh, basic things. Uh, Kenny is still hung up on this idea, whether we're talking about um, Jesus being God, the Son of God. Again, I chose the topic, Son of, if you want to debate the deity of Christ, open to it. I chose the issue of the Son of God specifically because in the Quran, that is a defining, that is the ultimate defining characteristic of someone who is not, who has not submitted to God properly, right? But the Quran affirms that Jesus is sinless. So he couldn't have submitted to God uh, improperly, and he couldn't have been repeatedly committing the worst possible sin. So if Kenny is saying Jesus submitted to God, and the way Jesus submitted to God, as we've seen, is by repeatedly calling himself the son in a divine sense, the one who judges the world, the one who raises the dead at the resurrection. If that's true submission to God, if that is appropriate submission to God, then the religion of Islam, so the takeaway here is fine, Jesus submitted to God, and therefore Islam is false, because Islam says that that way of doing it is not Islam. All right then, so Jesus submitted to God, and he was a Muslim in some etymological generic sense that proves that the religion of Islam is false and corrupted and that Muhammad is a false prophet. And I'm fine if you want to leave it there, Kenny. Oh, well, so what's interesting is that, once again, he's tried to, he's had to you know, create these red herrings trying to go to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and try to discredit him. This is typical David Wood antics, but... Nevertheless, what he did concede when he first started speaking is that he said, I'll grant that submission is, you know, if you want to use it in that sense of the word, I'll grant that, that you know, that he'd be called, he didn't say that he didn't finish the sentence, but he was, and inevitably, he was conceding the point that he knows that Jesus lived in submission to the will of our creator. Now he's trying to create the argument that um, he's, he somehow got it wrong because he's submitting to who? The Father? Well, uh, this is biblical terminology, and uh, but nevertheless, if you if, if if what the Christian dilemma is is that because of this terminology, um, you have one submitting his will to the will of his Creator, and at the same time he's being called the Son of God, and at the same time people are putting together ambiguous verses to imply that Jesus is actually the very God that he's submitting himself to. And it's an ongoing loop of never-ending uh, dilemma for the Christians who has to who have to juggle this in their minds and try to equate when they look at these photos of Jesus, peace be upon him, supposedly hanging in their churches and so forth. No disrespect, but who is he praying to? Is he praying to himself? He's praying to a version of himself. Really? Does that really make sense? Or is he just a simple man 
one of the best men of mankind who lived his life in a willing submission to our Creator. Uh, and again, he's conceded the point that he knows that Jesus did that. It's been my objective to clarify what it is that in, in this debate. My only objective is to clarify what it is that Muslims mean based on the video that he produced three months ago where he was claiming that we mean something that we don't. My only objective was to clarify what our meaning is when we say Jesus is a Muslim with the literal etymological sense of the word and the consistency, once again, of a man defines exactly who he is. Ready for you. All right. So, um, once again, there's no need to defend. I mean, you don't even have to defend the idea that Jesus is the Son of God. Or that he's God, because that's what it means. If you're the son of God in the divine sense, that's your position in the Trinity. All of that is irrelevant. You could say Jesus is claiming to be the son of God and he's insane. But that would mean he's not a Muslim. You could say that Jesus is, Jesus, uh, is only the son of God in corrupt scriptures. But that doesn't work with Islam either, because Allah confirms those scriptures. So the point is, there's no way out. Kenny just said that they view um, Jesus as one of the best men to mankind. That's the point we're having here. According to Islam, the worst thing you can do is associate a partner with God. When we read the Bible, Jesus called himself the Son over and over again, as did everyone else. So if Jesus is calling himself the Son, he can't be one of the best. He can't be one of the best men ever. He can't be one of the greatest prophets ever. Islam would have to be false. You can't be doing that. Not only that, I would have to say, if you look at the impact Jesus had, that his followers have been worshiping him ever since. So for 2,000 years, I mean, in his own time, they were worshiping him. If this is the impact Jesus is having on the people around him and that he's had down through the ages, then you'd have to say, unless someone came along later and made all that stuff up, you'd have to say, Jesus is one of the worst people ever. And yet Islam claims that he's one of the best. This is the point of this entire discussion. Islam is incoherent on this point. It affirms scriptures which claim that Jesus is the son of God. And that's the worst possible sin in Islam is claiming that you're the son of God. And therefore, Jesus would somehow be one of the worst sinners ever. And yet he's being called one of the greatest uh, prophets ever. No way out of this except deception. Okay, great. So, so no, so... Let's say Jesus is the Son of God. So that would make Jesus, peace be upon him, himself divine. So he is a God submitting himself to and praying to and giving glory to God. Okay, so balance that out in your mind and see if that makes sense. Or does it make more sense that a human being who is just simply a messenger is submitting himself to the will of a God? You put that on the scales and you decide that in your own time. But again, Jesus, peace be upon him, doesn't call himself um, the Son of God in the Quran. So Muslims have no problem. The problem is not with us. The problem is the Christian dilemma in that Jesus is submitting to God as the Son of God, who's supposed to be God himself in some capacity in this Trinity concept. And uh, so it's, it's an ongoing dilemma. Now, Jesus, peace be upon him, himself, uh, these, these are words according to men, right? We know that these books of the Bible are words according to anonymous authors. And so these anonymous authors are making these proclamations that Jesus used this terminology. 
Do I believe as a Muslim that Jesus referred to our Creator as Father in a literal sense of the word? No, and I don't believe that as a Muslim he would use this terminology at all. However, the anonymous authors of the Bible have done so. God is not the author of confusion. I agree with that. We as Muslims can accept that, right? But the anonymous authors of the Bible most certainly are because the contradictions are very clear. In the opening statement, I mentioned how could it be that in these very verses where Jesus is over and over and over again submitting to the will of our Creator, is also claiming to be the Son of God or God Himself in these very un- these very ambiguous verses at the same time? Would, is that a clear message from our Creator that would make sense? No, it is not. It would be unjust for our Creator to give this type of a message versus, Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God is one Lord. That's a clear statement that we can rely upon and, and make a clear, a clear conscious, uh, under, have a clear conscious understanding of. I went over a little bit. I do apologize. I agree, David. Well, Kenny just called Allah unjust. Said it's unjust for our Creator to give us this uh, confusing message. What does Allah tell us Christians to go by? This confusing message, this is what we're commanded to judge by, this is what we are commanded to stand upon as our scripture. Uh, Again, in in the relevant passage in in Surah 5 of the Quran, Jews came to Muhammad to judge a dispute. Allah's response is, no, they need to go back to the Torah. That's their revelation. That's not, the, the, the Quran is not for them. And then just a few verses later, let the people of the gospel, let the people of the gospel judge by what Allah hath revealed therein. You're supposed to judge by the gospel that Kenny says uh, is anonymous and we can't trust it. Kenny says he doesn't believe that Jesus used this terminology. He doesn't believe that Jesus used what terminology? The terminology in the gospel that we have that his God affirms? He's talking about confusion. He's talking about God wouldn't, God wouldn't be this confusing. Why would God order, why would your God order us to judge by our book that says these things? Isn't that as confusing as anything can possibly be? If your God orders us to judge by a book that says over and over and over again, like a beating drum, that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for sins and rose from the dead, and he doesn't mean it, that would be as confusing as anything else in all of history. Um, so, uh, you, got a, you just got a problem here, Kenny. If Jesus is a mere human being, even a prophet, as you claim, then Islam is false. Because Jesus went around claiming to be the Son of God. He would be very, very bad for claiming for claiming that about himself if he was not that. If he wasn't the Son of God, he would be bad for claiming to be the Son of God. And so Islam would be false. The alternative is that he is the Son of God, in which case Islam is false. How are you going to get around that? Say, oh, the scriptures have been corrupted. Then Islam is false because the Quran affirms our scriptures. There's no way out, ladies and gentlemen. Was Jesus a Muslim in any relevant sense? Now, if you want to go etymological sense and say he truly submitted and that's good, great, then Muhammad's a false prophet because uh, Muhammad contradicted the true submission of Jesus. Very great. Okay. So, yes, the Quran, that humbly love, the Quran does indeed say for the Jews and the Christians to judge by their scriptures. Now, consider what's been stated so far. We've addressed uh, contradictions within those scriptures. We've addressed the anonymous authors of those scriptures. And if you do any research on your own, you will literally find that there are literal dozens of versions of the Bible, not just 
not just translations. We're talking about different versions with different numbers of books and so forth, missing passages and some, some that are added in some, some that are not in others. Therefore, judge by what's been revealed in your scriptures. Uh, what Judge by your scriptures. And should that not create a problem for you? When in those scriptures, we have Jesus, peace be upon him, submitting his will to our creator. And in those scriptures, you have to take these ambiguous statements that are being made to try to suggest that Jesus is the Son of God and also God Himself, with all this, 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 you know, the contradictions that, that exist uh, in various places. Uh, so yes, judge by your scriptures. Do exactly that. Put it on the scales of logic and reason and decide for yourself. Don't don't just rely on what the the preacher is saying on Sunday morning on Wednesday night. Be a reader instead of a repeater. Don't just repeat what you've been told over and over again. Be a reader instead of a repeater. Because what happens is most people, because it's easy, most people don't like to read. It's a lot easier just to go and listen to what the preacher man says on Sunday morning and just roll with that because mom and dad have been telling you the same thing since you was a little kid. They also told you about Santa Claus. He didn't exist. But the fact of the matter is, be a reader instead of a repeater. Uh, put these things on the scale in your own mind. Think logically for yourself. Does it make sense that Jesus, peace be upon him, who's praying to another as his God, is actually God himself. That's not even the, the you know, the, 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 what it amounts to is that Jesus is in that prayer. He's submitting himself in that prayer to another. And, uh, you know, that's that makes him a Muslim again with the literal etymological sense of the word. Well, it's actually uh, awesome that Kenny agrees that Allah orders us to judge by our scriptures, even though he clearly says that repeatedly. You find that in the Quran. Uh, you find that in the Hadith. In fact, the, in, in, uh, in Sunan Abu Daud, Muhammad tells the Jews to bring him a copy of the Torah. And he says, to the copy of the Torah, I believe in you and in the one who revealed you. And then he puts the Torah on this judgment seat and tells the Jews that, that the Torah is their judge. Muhammad also says uh, in Jamia Termini that, that Jews and Christians have the Torah and the gospel in the same way that Muslims have the Quran. Makes no sense if it's been corrupted. And so it's very clear that Allah orders us to uh, judge by and live by our scriptures. And But it's just it's just strange to hear a Muslim admit what the Quran so obviously says. So hats off to Kenny for that. Um, but then Kenny says, yeah, but once you judge by your scriptures, you're going to be uh, you're going to be confused. Well, that's interesting. So. So he says, God is not the author of confusion in the sense that God's not going to confuse you by this stuff. And yet his God orders us to judge by these things that Kenny says are very confusing. I have to say, I don't find, don't find it terribly confusing. It's confusing in the sense of hard to get your mind around. But yeah, all kinds of things are like that. Um, does Jesus submitting to the Father cause a problem for Christians? No, that is foundational to Christian theology. There is no Christianity without the doctrine of the incarnation. There's no, there's no Christianity without that. It's foundational to Christianity. Why is Kenny acting like this is all somehow shocking news to us? Um, as for dozens of versions of the Bible, I still don't, I still don't know what he's talking about, but if he, he, he mentioned that there are uh, textual variants and things like that. Uh, if that's a problem, if that's a problem, uh, fine, there are textual variants in the history of the Quran. Muhammad's followers couldn't even, Muhammad's uh, uh, companions couldn't even agree on what was supposed to go into the Quran. 
Uh, Ibn Masud had 111 chapters in his. Ubay ibn Kab had 116 chapters in his. The authoritative version now has 114 chapters. We open up the Muslim sources. Sahih Muslim says that two entire chapters were lost because Muslims hardened their hearts and didn't didn't keep reciting them. Uh, large passages came up missing because the only ones who had them uh, died in battle. And even in the world today, you go to different parts of the world today, you have different. Uh, they're called the different. You're called the Kirat, but you have different Qurans in different parts of the world. So if this is a problem and this is all confusing. Uh, then Islam is confusing once again, and uh, Kenny, you got you get you got some problems here because the topic is whether Jesus was a Muslim, and Islam looks like is crumbling. You you, you can say that, but that doesn't make it a reality, David. Wood. These are these are just tactics that he does uh, consistently. But nevertheless, uh, when when the, back to the Quran saying to judge by your scriptures in regards to the story about the Jews and so forth, bringing the Torah to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu They were trying to entrap the Prophet and trying to see what he was going to say about um, the punishment that they were planning to invoke on uh, some people and trying to see what his uh, stance was going to be on it. And he told them quite clearly, judge by your book, judge by your book. I believe in what's been revealed here. You judge by it. And the same thing we're saying. We know what's been revealed in your books, but you judge by it. You, you put it on the scales in your own mind and weigh these for yourself. Each every, every individual listening to this debate now and in the future, you put all of this on the scales of logic and reason and ask yourself uh, by the and, and, you know ask yourself by the literal etymological sense of the word Muslim, one who submits to God. I've given sources for this this uh, definition uh, about six of them uh, during the course of this debate. My opening statement. Does that balance out? Well, yes, one who submits themselves to God would by definition be a Muslim in the etymological sense of the word. That's the topic of the debate. That's what I came here to prove, and that's been proven today. Um, now, we have to resort to the Christian dilemma and try to go back and attack the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and try to uh, validate the Quran with the, I mean, the Bible with the, the books of the Quran. When if you keep reading the verses of the Quran, we don't have time to go through all this in, in this debate. But we can certainly set up another debate about whether or not the Quran validates the Bible. And we'll see clearly in that debate, I assure you, because truth is made clear from falsehood, the Quran does not validate the Bible. As a matter of fact, it warns Christians and Jews about altering their, their verses and so forth. And, um, and we see the evidence of that, by example, uh, the multiple versions that I mentioned. And that's another, another topic as well. But we don't want to get off on a red herring on that. Uh, go ahead, David. So after, after saying that the Quran does command us to judge by our scriptures, Kenny now says the Quran doesn't validate our scriptures, which is weird because, again, Allah says that he revealed our scriptures. He says that we still had the Torah and the gospel uh, during the time of Muhammad. Um, says that no one can change his words. No one can alter his words. Uh, says that the Torah and the gospel were still authoritative over Christians and Jews during his time. In fact, if you read the Quran, very different from the perspective you get from Muslims today. The perspective you get from Muslims today is um, the Torah and the gospel have been corrupted and therefore everyone has to, has to use the Quran. Not the position of the Quran. The position of the Quran is that the Arabs were the last people to get their revelation. And once the Arabs had their revelation, now everyone had their revelation. Everyone has had their prophets. Muhammad is the seal of the prophets because he was just last. That's the perspective. So the Quran is tells other people to go back to their scriptures. You, you Christians, you judge by your scripture. You uh, Jews, you judge by your scripture. Uh, Muslims, we judge by the Quran. Everyone's got their scripture. 
people eventually found out, as we're seeing here today, that the, the Torah and the gospel just don't line up with the Quran. And so later Muslims were forced to say, ah, the scriptures have been changed, even though that completely contradicts what both Allah and Muhammad repeatedly declare. So there's no way around it. And by the way, you said you'd be willing to debate what, whether the Quran affirms the Bible. That was the topic I suggested. You said you know you'd rather debate uh, whether Muhammad was, uh, whether Jesus was a prophet. I mean, was it was a Muslim? And uh, happy to do that. But you can't you can't get away from the fact that your scriptures affirm the inspiration, preservation, and authority of our scriptures. As far as Jews and Christians twisting the scriptures, that is a condemnation. Says we, Surah three verse seventy eight says we twist the scriptures with our tongues and so on. Uh, that doesn't mean the text has been corrupted. I mean, there are Muslims, there are if you're a Muslim, you obviously believe that there are Muslims who twist the scriptures with their tongues. You wouldn't say that means that the that the uh, the Quran has been corrupted. And so your book affirms our book, warns us not to twist our scriptures. Well, great. We don't need to twist our scriptures to see that over and over and over again, Jesus calls himself the son of God, which would be the worst possible sin in Islam and therefore not what Muhammad meant by Islam. So I was I was never uh, notified. You didn't notify me about a different topic. Uh, as a matter of fact, so maybe uh, that's what I suggested. Yeah. So I yeah. So I was. Okay, but no, it's cool. Anyway, so I, I would. So you, James. <laughs> Shame on you. Anyway, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, he might have asked us for both topic for what topics we want. He might have just said what you want. Yeah, I never. I never okay. seen the other topic, but nevertheless, we can we can we can go down that road. But again, judge by your scriptures. Yes, judge by your scriptures, and you cannot change. The words of our creator, the original words given to the prophets and the messengers, peace be upon them all. Um, and so uh, what, we're, what we're dealing with when it comes to the books of the Bible, we're dealing with the words of Allah, our God, our creator. Whatever whatever word you want to use for our creator, our creator, the words of our creator as revealed to the prophets and the messengers. We all believe that that transpired and we believe that the original words that he gave them can't be altered and so forth. However, the books of the Bible aren't that. The books of the Bible are words according to men. Men pin these, these verses down. Now, yes, men wrote, wrote down verses of the Quran, but also memorized the verses of the Quran. Right? So that's why Allah has promised in the Quran, by example, to, to protect the Quran until the day of judgment in the memory of the minds of the Muslims. So, yes, the, the, the Quran is the, the, the example, matter of fact, of Allah proving that his word cannot be changed. Although the Christians and the Jews beforehand had their, their, their scribes and so forth and people making these claims and these anonymous authors did indeed write things with their own hand. And that's what the Quran clearly warns Christians about in the Quran. So, uh, so. So yes, you can't change the original message of our Creator, but uh, obviously these words, according to men, aren't the original words of our Creator. So uh, the book that we're commanded to judge by, and Kenny acknowledged that we're commanded to judge by it, uh, he now says it's a, these are the words of men. Uh, men, <laughs> this is very interesting, and, and the Quran is only affirming some original. Again, not what the Quran is saying. It would be very easy. It would be the easiest thing in the universe for Allah to say, hey, I, uh, I inspired your original books, but then you corrupted it. It would be very easy. How hard is that? I just said it. If that's what Allah really meant, then he is a horrible, horrible communicator. Because when he went to say 
what he wanted to say, according to Kenny, was, hey, your books have been corrupted, uh, go with the Quran or something like that, or, or just find the, the parts that line up with Islam. Uh, if that's what he meant, and it comes out, let the people of the gospel judge by what Allah hath revealed therein. Christians and Jews, you have no ground to stand upon except the gospel and the Torah. If what he really meant is what Kenny is saying, hey, don't trust those words of men, and it's coming out, judge by your book, you've got the word of God, no one can change Allah's words, then Allah is simply a really, really, really bad communicator. And it's just uh, it's just weird because every debate we have, I mean, in our in our debates about Muhammad and Aisha, I'm the one defending the, the reliability of hadith passages. And here we are, and I'm the one who has more respect for Allah's statements than Muslims do. Allah says, judge by the judge by the gospel. Okay. You say, David, what does Allah mean there? Sounds like it means judge by the gospel. You ask a Muslim what he means, ah, he means the opposite of what he's saying. Your book's been corrupted, your book's been written by man. Don't trust it, you need the Quran. The opposite of what he says over and over and over again. So we're just in this uh odd situation, <laughs> odd situation where, where D. Wood is once again the champion of defending the clarity of the Quran. So David Wood is very confused and takes everything out of context regarding the Quran. Uh, so if you would, I challenge everyone listening right now to get your own copy of the Quran, translation of the Quran, read it in the English language so you can understand. I recommend the clear Quran, that way it's uh, in you know, it's language that anyone can comprehend. Read it for yourself, judge for yourself. Be a reader instead of a repeater. Don't just listen to words from people like David Wood, who's got a very large following and so forth, who's very convincing in his arguments and so forth. I challenge you to grab a Quran, read it for yourself. Don't burn it. Don't poke holes in it and all those things like they like to do in their mockery. Read it for yourself. Challenge yourself. Read it for yourself. Be a reader instead of a repeater. Uh, but again, if you if you read these books, um, and this is not what the topic is. So now we've we've gone down this red herring trail here when we've already, I, I believe we're doing so because I believe we're conceded the fact and the point of the debate, which is that we know that Jesus, by the literal etymological sense of the word, was submitting his will to the will of our creator. That's been established. That was my goal here in this debate. That goal has been accomplished. So, uh, but if you, if you, um, we don't have time to, to debate the, whether or not the Bible is corrupted and whether or not the, the Quran has validated it or not. If he wants to do that, we'll set it up. We'll make that magic happen. Uh, but that's not what we're here to, to argue. So I, I want to try to get back on track about what the original argument of this debate is. In the Bible, Jesus is submitting himself, as uh, uh, Gautier says, about the uh, book of John in particular, the most... Uh, frequented book of the Bible where Jesus, you know, Christians go to try to prove Jesus is not just the son of God, but God himself. 47 times he's living in submission to the will of God. Not one verse of that uh, of that book of John says unambiguously that Jesus is God or, or and so forth. So put that on the scales once again, and you judge for yourself. Ready for you. Well, I'm glad Kenny called me convincing. Uh, it's interesting, Kenny, Kenny challenges everyone to read the Quran. On the topics we're dealing about right now, uh, I, can actually, uh, I can actually help everyone. So if you want to, we're discussing what, what the Quran says about our scriptures. Keep in mind, this is very, this is not a side point. This is pretty foundational. If Allah tells us to go to the scriptures that confirm that Jesus is the Son of God, then if Kenny says he's a Muslim, then, then that is correct submission to God. Islam would be false. So this is actually... Uh, very important. But if you want to take Kenny's advice, 
and read what the Quran says. You can read it all the way through. It's disorganized, so I can help uh, bring a little clarity here. You, you can go to every single passage in the Quran that so much as mentions uh, the gospel. That's Surah 3, verse 3, Surah 3, verse 48, Surah 3, verse 65, Surah 5, verse 46, Surah 5, verse 47, Surah 5, verse 66, Surah 5, verse 68, Surah 5, verse 110, Surah 7, verse 157, Surah 5, for, uh, Surah 9, verse 111, Surah 48, verse 29, and Surah 57, verse 27. Look up all those passages. Find me one single word of criticism. Find me one single word even suggesting or hinting that our scriptures have been altered. All you ever find is Allah affirming the inspiration and the preservation and the authority of our scriptures. And therefore, if we look at this, we have to conclude that our scriptures are authoritative, as good as gold. We go to our scriptures. What do we find? Jesus is the divine son of God who died on the cross for sins and rose from the dead. Therefore, Islam is false. If you don't want us to conclude that, fine. The Quran is wrong for telling us to judge by our scriptures. Either way, Islam is just wrong. And so the ultimate takeaway of all of this is there is no coherent Islamic position on the life of Jesus. Islam affirms him and yet completely contradicts the things that he did. And because of that, Islam simply self-destructs. Okay. So what I'll do here, bear with me one second before I start this uh, two, two minutes. Jesus from the Quran. Okay, so let's. what does the Quran say about Jesus? It says, to say, O Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, in Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 84, say, O Prophet, we believe in Allah and what was revealed to us and what was revealed to Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, and his descendants, and what was given to Moses and Jesus and other prophets from their Lord. We make no distinction between any of them, and to him we fully submit. Right, so we we believe that the words of Allah that were revealed to the prophets and the messengers is legitimate. Right, we don't believe the words of the Bible are legitimate. And so, by example, uh, it says, "Indeed, we have sent revelation to you, O Prophet, as we sent revelation to Noah and the prophets after him. We also sent revelation to Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, and his descendants, as well as Jesus, Job, Jonah, Aaron, and Solomon, and to David we gave the Psalms." This, it's talking about the original words that were given to the prophets and the messengers. Now, it goes on to say, the Messiah would never be too proud to be a servant. This is what the Quran is saying about Jesus, peace be upon him. The, the, the Messiah would never be too proud to be a servant, nor would the angels nearest to Allah. Those who are, are too proud and arrogant to worship him will be brought before him altogether. And when we say Allah again, we're talking about our, our creator and arose by any other name would smell as sweet. And again, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, it says, Indeed, those who say Allah is the Messiah, the son of Mary, who have fallen into, have fallen into disbelief, say, Who has the power to prevent Allah if he chose to destroy the Messiah, the son of Mary, his mother, and everyone in the world altogether? To Allah belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth and every, everything in between. He creates whatever he wills, and Allah is most capable of everything. So Jesus, peace be upon him, is in submission to this very God, this God that, based on these words, if they were taken out of the context of the Quran and you just heard these words, everyone in here that is God conscious would agree with what you've heard here, except for the word Allah. Allah is simply an Arabic word that means God but you would agree with everything that's being stated there. And so would Jesus, peace be upon him, the consistency of a man who finds who he is. We'll kick it over to David for his two minutes.
Kenny uh, brings up what the Quran says about Jesus, and this is a sort of an interesting topic in, in itself. The Quran affirms that Jesus is born of a virgin, unlike uh, unlike other prophets. Uh, so Jesus is born of a virgin, according to the Quran. According to the Quran, Jesus lives the most miraculous life in history. He goes around performing all these miracles. Uh, according to the Quran, Jesus is the Word of Allah, which again in the, in the Gospel of John is a is a uh, title of divinity. Uh, but Jesus is the Word of Allah, meaning that Allah speaks Jesus out. Very different from the way Allah creates everything else. When Allah creates, it's it. He just says be, and it is. Um, so Jesus is the Word of Allah. Jesus is called a spirit from Allah. Uh, Jesus is called the Messiah. Jesus is said to that he's going to return, and Jesus is sinless. Why is this relevant? Well, look, Muhammad, Muhammad's not born of a virgin. Muhammad doesn't perform these miracles. Uh, Muhammad's not the word of Allah. Muhammad's not a spirit from Allah. Muhammad's not the Messiah. And Muhammad is not sinless. He's told that he has to uh, repent of his sins and ask forgiveness for his sins. So what's amazing is that Jesus in the Quran is vastly superior to Muhammad and every other prophet in the Quran. And the real question would be, why? Why is Jesus so incredibly unique, even in the Muslim sources? What's the point? Muslims don't have an answer. They can just say, Allah knows best. But the real explanation, if Kenny, if Kenny wants to say, hey, you know, you have to go to your scripture, and you have to really think about these things and think if these things make sense. Why is Jesus so radically different when he is just another prophet? Well, it makes sense if Muhammad is basically... Uh, copying things that Christians said without understanding the implications of them. It makes perfect sense in a Christian context where Jesus is the incarnate son. It makes perfect sense for Jesus to be so radically unique. It makes no sense in Islam. So thank you, Kenny. We have another reason to think that Islam has some problems here. And so here we go down the... Oh, she, that's actually the last one we can do before we go to the closing. Oh, okay. And the closing will be you first, though, Kenny. Okay. So you'll have a full five minutes. And the floor is all yours. Okay, so there, there we go down the red herring uh, uh, trail again, uh, where he's gone to back to Muhammad, peace be upon him, because the reality of, of it is uh, set out to prove in this debate that the consistency of a man defines who he is, and Jesus, peace be upon him, by the literal etymological sense of the word, is indeed a Muslim. He was one living in submission to the will of our Creator. Yes, the Quran confirms that Jesus uh, was born of a virgin and the miracles and that Jesus was a word from Allah. And matter of fact, the Quran says in his comparison to, uh, you know, that God says just be, well, he just said be about Jesus. He said, matter of fact, the Quran says the similitude is Jesus of, of Jesus is that of the likeness of Adam. And then Allah said, kun fayakun, be and he is. Just like he said, let there be light, and let there be this and let there be that, kun fayakun be and he is and so jesus peace be upon him obi-wan kenobi whatever you want to call this guy in this picture here could he say the same thing did he say kun fayakun and the crater existed no on the contrary kun fayakun be and jesus was allah Akbar. god is the greatest and Jesus declared that himself, as I mentioned in my opening statement, the Father is greater than I, the Father is greater than all. In the terminology, Father, it might be a period word or whatever, but uh, um, again, we don't believe he would use that terminology because of the confusion, but nevertheless, he's still declaring that our, our God, our Creator, is greater than all. So they, it says, those who say Allah is the Messiah, the Son of Mary, have certainly fallen into disbelief once again. The Messiah, son of Mary, was no more than a messenger 
Many messengers had come and gone before him. His mother was a woman of truth. They both ate food. To, and so, and it says, see how we see the, uh, see how we make the, the signs clear to them. Yet see how they are deluded from the truth. It goes on to say in the Quran, the disbelievers among the children of Israel were condemned in the revelations of David and Jesus, son of Mary, that was for disobedience and for violations. And on the day of judgment, Allah will say, O Jesus, son of Mary, remember my favor upon you and your mother and how I supported you with the Holy Spirit. So you spoke to people in your infancy and adulthood, how I taught you writing, wisdom, and the Torah, and the gospel, how you molded a bird from clay by my will and breathed into it, and it became a real bird by my will, and how you healed the blind and the lepers by my will, and how you brought forth dead uh, to life by my will. And I prevented the children of Israel from harming you when you came to them with clear proofs. And the disbelievers among them said, this is, this is nothing but pure magic. And one more verse. Remember, when, when the disciples said, O Jesus, Son of Mary, would your Lord be willing to send down to us a table spread with food from heaven? And Jesus answered, Fear Allah, if you are truly believers. Now, this is consistent with, with a person who would say, Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God is one. For the Father is greater than I, the Father is greater than all. It would be consistent with a man who would routinely, as these Christian uh, scholars that I've mentioned, have said themselves. Muslims don't have to say it. Jesus lived every day of his life, according to um, uh, Frank Lobach, every day of his life consistently in submission to the will of God, our Creator. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our God, our creator, whatever you want to refer to our creator as we say Allah in the Arabic language. But nevertheless, I set out to demonstrate that um, and, and basically uh, clarify from the Muslim side what it is that we mean when we say Jesus was a Muslim. And he's conceded the point that a person who is in submission to the will of our creator, Okay, well, he said, all right, well, we'll take that. If that's part of the definition, well, yes, it is part of the definition. And that's part of the definition that we do indeed mean when we say Jesus was a Muslim. So I thank everyone for listening. I mean no disrespect with any, uh, for anything that I've said. And surely all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I bear witness to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the final servant and seal of our prophets. Allah Akbar. Thank you very much, Kenny, for that closing statement. We'll kick it over to David for five minutes as well. Thanks very much, David. The floor is all yours. All right. Uh, Kenny says that his uh, goal has been accomplished here. He wanted to show that Jesus uh, was a Muslim in a strict etymological sense. Uh, that would mean that any person in, in history who believes he's submitting to God it has submitted to God. Um, I'm totally fine with, I'm, I'm totally fine if you want to say anyone can submit to God by doing anything. Um, but, uh, kind of irrelevant for the way Muslims generally mean that Jesus was a Muslim, certainly irrelevant to the way the Quran, uh, calls Jesus a Muslim. But, uh, as I always tell Kenny, I'm willing to go down the roads you want to go down. You just got to pay the toll. And the toll here is that if Jesus Truly submitted to God, uh, and the Quran affirms our scriptures that say what the things he said about himself, then Islam has to be false. Muhammad got it wrong. So if Kenny is, is willing to, to, uh, throw the Quran and Muhammad under the bus to score an etymological point, again, I'll go down that road with him. He's happy to pay the, he's happy to pay the toll. Um, Kenny said that Jesus, uh, that, that God created Jesus just by saying be and so on. No, uh, the, the Quran says that Jesus is the word of Allah. So notice that's different. 
Other things, if, if Allah wants to create a bottle, Allah says B, and a bottle pops into existence. There are exceptions to this rule when we talk about the spirit. That's something that Allah breathes out. So this originates from within Allah. And Jesus was the word of Allah. Uh, this originates from within Allah. So there's something different uh, even here. Um, minor points. Uh, Kenny said that, that, the, that the Gospel of John doesn't call Jesus God. I mean, the book literally... The opening verse is, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And if that's not clear enough, it goes on to say that the Word created everything that's been created. And then it says the Word became flesh. So the Word that became flesh, Jesus, created everything that's been created. John uh, John chapter 8, Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. Why do the people there pick up stones to stone him for blasphemy? Because unlike someone who, who might hear that today, they understood this is the name that God referred to himself by in the book of Exodus. So they took this as blasphemy. Uh, towards the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus' apostle Thomas calls him my Lord and my God. And then you have all these passages about Jesus uh, being the final judge of all humanity, which, according to the Old Testament, that would have been God. Jesus is claiming that for himself. Jesus says that he's the one who judges everyone which according to both the Bible and the Quran is what God is supposed to do. Uh, if Jesus wasn't, if Jesus meant that he's merely a, a human prophet, he's got some problems there. So we talked about Allah. If Allah is telling Jews and Christians to judge by our scriptures and he doesn't mean it, Allah is a terrible communicator. Well, if Jesus meant that he's a merely human prophet, Jesus is a terrible communicator. So that happens to be the Islamic solution for everything. No one somehow means what they say. Whether you're talking about Allah or Muhammad or Jesus or his followers, according to modern Muslim da'is, none of them mean what they say. They all have some sort of Tourette syndrome and they keep blurting things out uh, that they don't actually mean. Um, so Islam means submission. I have to say, if you want to submit to God and God orders uh, you to uh, judge by scriptures, then like, guess what? In order to obey, for us to uh, submit to Allah, at least for, for Christians to submit to Allah, we would have to obey our scriptures, which would lead us away from Muhammad and away from Islam. Uh, so just to, just to recap, you've got the Bible, which confirms all sorts of things about Jesus that contradict Islam. And the one we focused on is Jesus claimed to be the son of God, because this is all over the gospel that we are ordered to judge by. And Islam says that this is the worst possible sin anyone can commit. There's no way out of this. There's no way out of this. If someone else could say, I don't believe that any of that happened. I believe these scriptures were made up centuries later. Or I believe that Jesus did say these things, but I believe he was crazy. You could say all those things. You are A Muslim who believes in the Quran is not allowed to say those things. Because Allah has ordered them to adhere to certain things, and he has affirmed certain people and certain scriptures as authoritative. So you don't have those options. You are, we are sent to scriptures as the authoritative scriptures about Jesus, and they completely contradict Islam, and so they fall apart. Uh, the the Dawah uh, Da'is today uh, tend to try to get around this by basically misrepresenting the Quran and misrepresenting the Bible. And what's weird is I understand that five centuries ago. If you were living five centuries ago and you recognize, wait, the Quran's affirming these scriptures and these scriptures contradict the Quran, wasn't exactly a safe place to say that sort of thing. You get your head chopped off. But Kenny, you are living in a different time and you are free to recognize the Quran is affirming scriptures that completely contradict the Quran. 
And so there are two possibilities. If, if, if Christians have the word of God, then Islam is false because Islam contradicts our scriptures. If we don't have the word of God, Islam is false because Islam affirms our scriptures. Either way, Islam is false. Thank you very much, David, for that closing as well. We'll have about 20 minutes of Q&A. So if you happen to have a question, I only ask that first we have questions that are related to the debate per se, and then more extraneous questions if you have them, as well as, we didn't get to mention it before, but there are bathrooms just outside of this room. So if you go through these doors, they'll be right across the hall in case you need to use the restroom. And... We also have DebateCon 4. We just launched tickets for it. It's in Dallas, Texas. It's this November, November 4th. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. So if you're listening online as well, check out the description box. We have the link for DebateCon 4 tickets there. But with that, we're going to jump into the Q&A. Thanks very much. Matt, we're ready for you. Thank you. Uh -oh. Who's he going after? Hey, guys. I have two questions, but it would be unfair, so I flipped the coin. And sorry, Kenny, you lost. Let's um, <laughs> my understanding, because this debate is, was Jesus a Muslim? Both of you are saying that you believe that Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Creator. And both of you are saying that Jesus did not submit himself to Islam, as we understand it today. So I have three names, and I would like to know from Kenny, would you defend, or not, for each of these three, that they were also Muslim? John the Baptist, Constantine the Great in the first, and David Wood. So, uh, no, I, I mentioned in my opening statement that a person, um, to be a Muslim in the, uh, even, even in the etymological sense of the word, um, requires someone who's submitting themselves to the will of our Creator and our Creator alone. Um, otherwise, you, matter of fact, he made reference at the end of his video, he made reference to uh, I could be a Buddhist. Well, no, I couldn't be a Buddhist because I am a person who submits my will to the will of my Creator and my Creator alone. So if John the Baptist, I don't know much about uh, Constantine. I've heard that, uh, different, I've read different things about Constantine. Um, and I, who, who's the third person you mentioned in that, please? David Wood. David Wood. Oh, this character. Never hit me. <laughs> yeah, so, no, uh, I would call them Muslims with the, with the, uh, with the, current definition of the word, uh, meaning that they are people who associate partners with our Creator, and you know, in that sense, that person wouldn't be a Muslim. Um, uh, so that's, that's where we stand on that. I mean, it's, uh, to be a Muslim in the law sense of the word, we have to submit ourselves to our Creator. We follow the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, as the final prophet. We believe in the words of the Quran. And we believe in the angels, and the you know, we believe in heaven and hell, and so forth. So yes, there's Christians that believe these things, but when you associate partners with our Creator, that would exclude you from being considered a Muslim in the uh, you, you know the current modern uh, you know interpretation of what a Muslim is. Uh, but Jesus, peace be upon him, um, he certainly wasn't praying to himself. He wasn't praying to any Trinity. He was praying directly to and only to our Creator. And so in that sense of the word, he was indeed a, a Muslim, no doubt about it. If Jesus, if, if, if David Wood, by example, is praying to Jesus, which if he's a Christian, he most likely does, he's praying to Jesus. Not that I believe this is Jesus in this picture, but and Jesus was praying to another, uh, you know, then no, there's no way that David Wood could be a Muslim. But surely Allah guides those 
whom he chooses. He has the opportunity to do so. There's been people that are worse than David Wood, if you can believe that, that have converted to Islam, accepted Islam, reverted to Islam, rather. Uh, so surely Allah guides those whom he chooses. It says, for the, as for those who disbelieve, it matters not if you warn them or do not warn them. They will not believe. Allah set a seal over their hearts and over their hearing, over their eyes is available to them for the penalty they bring upon themselves. So uh, that's my answer for you, Matt. Thank you. Thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for coming, folks. Let's give them a round of applause. We appreciate you being here. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.